everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's episode, we brought on none other than Billy from the Dark Depths podcast, and we talked, oh my god, it pretty much nothing but magic. Um, if modern and legacy is not your thing, I do apologize. I know I usually talk more about EDH and maybe Cube and stuff, but... We dove really, really, really deep into Modern Legacy because I, if you've listened to my show for a long time, you know I used to be a somewhat competitive player, like used to play a lot of Modern and Legacy, and I've pretty much stopped playing altogether when I sold out, and I was just really picking his brain on what are the formats like now a days, and it was just really, really, really interesting, so... Um, you know, I hope you enjoy it, but before we get into the interview, um, this podcast can be found on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify, and you can find us on YouTube by searching Magic with Zuby on YouTube and subscribe to the channel, like that bell and smash that button up and down, whatever way. And you can find me on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and on TikTok at MTG Zuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at MTGZuby at gmail.com. And I just want to thank my two sponsors, Cardsphere.com, for being awesome and the best place to buy, trade, and sell your magic singles. And also thank you to Alter Sleeves. Use promo code Magic with Zuby on checkout to get, I think it's 5 or 10% off your ultra sleeves uh, ultra sleeves freaking awesome and there's also should be a link below if you look if you go to magicwithzubi.com there should be a an affiliate link as well too um i think that's about it for announcements right now i don't really have anything else besides this and the DD show that i'm really doing so without further ado please help me welcome billy to the show all right, hey everybody, Zuby here, and I have with me. All right, which camera is this? Oh yeah, okay, here we go. I'm good at. I'm professional. No, because I've got two. I've got two cameras here. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I've got here with me Billy of the Dark Depths podcast, and um, hey Billy, how's it going tonight? We we've I'm actually good. been chatting, God, for like fifteen minutes now before we hit record. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been good. It, it's good. Thanks for having me on, Zuby. I'm really excited. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. Just I, I put out a little thing two weeks ago. Like I just wanted yeah. BS about magic, and you're one of the people who responded, and just like I think this this feels long overdue too. It's yeah, we definitely we've I mean we've chatted before. We obviously yeah. have a long history going back to legit MTG, uh, um, and then even more recently, Ray was on your stream. Cause that was that was for your. For last summer it was oh yeah, yeah. For, for my five-year anniversary and mm-hmm. i i can't remember what you played or what i played dude that was such a long day <laughs> yeah oh yeah for sure i mean you were on for like what 20 was it 12 hours 24 hours 14 hours 14 it's hours. like longest okay. stream i've ever done and did i slept when i got off right. i could feel that yeah and i think that was the last two games too oh, okay. so it wasn't even okay. like i was in the beginning where you were still fresh like i was the tail end <laughs> God, I think I think I had to play Grand Arbiter during one of the games, and and because I have a little thing on my chat where you know pay ten thousand channel points for me to play Grand Arbiter, and God, I, it's so many people tell me to take apart that deck because it's just literally control dot deck, 
and mm-hmm. it's not fun. Like I don't do the knowledge pool lockout or anything, but yeah. it's it's literally just every other stacks counter piece and unfun piece of magic. But it, it I, I mainly keep it around because so many of the pieces I used to have in blue white control and modern. Mm-hmm. And so many of the pieces came from that. You, you know, I, I sold off the rest, okay. but kept single pieces of it. And um, so it's kind of like an ode to when I used to play blue white control in modern. And as miserable as that deck used to be in modern, it, I, I, I did have some fun with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the reason I have. Um, and then one of the decks I played on your stream was my Samut. Okay. Uh, I think what the, what the last title is, but the, the legendary creature, like the Naya color. Oh um, yeah, yeah, it gives like creatures haste or something, or yeah, cr- creatures haste. You can untap creatures. It has double strike and vigilance. Yeah, right? like that's it's right, just like keyword right. soup. Um, but that's one of those decks that like I basically have kept it intact because you know I back in the day I was playing Court of Calling and I was built playing Birthing Pod and like it's still just an ode to a time when Magic was simpler and I got to just like Birthing Pod this three drop into this four drop and like you know sometimes it'd be Siege Rhino and now it's me going you know playing Githon and trying to tutor up my devoted druid combo stuff like that so i, I definitely get yeah, having man. decks around for just for nostalgia purposes yeah man so you do the dark depths podcast which is you and who uh michael mapson yep also is another it? uh former legit mtg writer that's right that's right yeah 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 um i've never really talked with him too much online but um i see i see you and him post about modern legacy stuff and i've listened to some episodes of your podcast before um so your podcast tell me about your podcast that you two do so we've uh, i'm trying to think we started during the august 2020 we've been around for a while um being in 2020 uh being named after a merit lage which is the 2020 i think is kind of fitting um, so the Dark Depths podcast, we are modern and legacy focused. Uh, we do talk about some other topics occasionally, pioneer, um, vintage, you know, when they come up, but focusing on the formats that, you know, Mapson and I like to play the most, right? There we're big modern and legacy players. If we have a choice between basically doing anything uh, magic wise, it's going to be modern or legacy. Um, and we try to make an effort to try to inform people about what's going on currently. Cause I think especially with legacy, but even still with modern and during the pandemic, I think it's really easy for people to kind of tune out magic for a month or two months, uh, not oh, actually yeah. have an opportunity to play. And then by the time you jump back in, you're like, wait, what deck is this? I've never, I've never seen this. Oh dude. <laughs> dude I, right before we started recording, I was telling you, um, I used to play a lot of modern and legacy and I feel like what killed it for me, especially modern, what killed modern for me was War of the Spark and Modern Horizons 1, uh-huh. where it started to feel more like a rotating format at that point. Because yeah. my main decks that I played in modern, um, I always had Grixis Delver sleeved up. Before Grixis Shadow was a thing, I never switched to Shadow because I, I enjoyed Delver, even though that one kind of stopped winning after a while. But I still... I still love the play style of it. Um, I had modern elves. I had blue white control. And then I had, I always had some form of mono red burn or aggro kind of deck. Okay. That's a good guy. That's a good idea. I think always having like the, for competitive players, at least having a gauntlet of like three or four decks that you can switch between depending on the metagame. I think it's always a good call. If you can afford it, of course. Yeah. The, um, but I, I don't know. I see it's been so long that, 
I even remember any of the format or the meta of especially for modern where back then I remember like a lot of the planeswalkers killed some of my interests from War of the Spark. I can't remember which ones. I, I know yeah. my blue white control got some cool pieces like Teferi and Narset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean Teferi and Narset I think were huge. Ashiok was another big one that came out of that. Oh, um, yeah. Just because it filled a lot of cyborg hate against like the teamer Titan shift types of decks, yeah, shift all yeah. that. Um, but yeah, those were also. I mean, this is still still part of like that fire design, right? Where mm-hmm. I think it's really the beginning of it, where people were like, "Okay, that seems really pushed." Like, I don't, I don't know if I like that or not. Um, and especially things like Teferi, where it's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna hold, draw this counter spell and I can hold it." It's like you're know, like you're like counter spell. Like, I have a Teferi, <sighs> right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally like, loved it as a blue-white player. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, naturally, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, but it, it's definitely difficult to like the number of times I've like cast ponder into a, a Narset and been like, I do not draw a card. This is this is yeah. worse than I thought it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and like it's been on the battlefield for three or four turns. I know it's there. I just kind of forget about it. Um, a lot of people do not like that. Feel bad and. You know, it comes up. It's just the powerful cards, um, especially Teferi, I think, is the one that has maintained its level of popularity throughout, you know, since it's released to current day. Oh, really? And, yeah, I mean, like, Narset sees play occasionally. Um, in Legacy, you see it. There's a Hull Breacher deck. plays, like, Hull Breacher, and it plays uh, Days Undoing. So, obviously, a little bit of combo. You can also play Hull Breacher um, or Narset, right, for that little combo. EDH favorite. Um, but then you also get the opportunity to do that um, at instant speed if you have it with, with Teferi, right? So it just makes it even that much better. But, you know, we Ashiak doesn't really see that much play in really Legacy at all, um, but you do see it show up in Modern from time to time, but it's not as popular as it used to be. Okay, nice. Right, so when Modern Horizons 1 came out, the only card I remember breaking the format was Hogak, was besides, <laughs> yeah. and I know that was a huge. That's one of the reasons why that killed my interest in modern. Um, mm-hmm. But wasn't there some other stuff in Modern Horizons one that kind of broke modern, or I thought there was, or yeah, Modern Horizons one. I mean, obviously Hogak is a is a big headliner, but they had a lot of stuff that was. I don't want to say it wasn't meaningful, but it was sneaky, and I yeah. think all Modern Horizons one and two, I think both do a really good job of injecting cards in the format that you're like. I don't think that's relevant. And then you play with it later. Like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, yeah. Force Negation is one of them that I think. Oh, was I, that was that Modern Horizons? That's Modern Horizons one, the the yeah. Force cycle. So yeah. I think people. Okay. Were, yeah. 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 And people looked at Force Negation like I think that's I think that's pretty good. I guess. But like once again, the, just having access to an instant speed counter is decent, even if it has the restriction of only doing it on your opponent's turn. But also the ability to actually exile things when you start looking at. You know, the eternal formats in terms of things like, um, like life in the loam, for example. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I actually want that exile. I don't now want to have to deal with that card again. Um, you know, that was a card that saw a big rise in the stock. Um, the one that I think is kind of sneaky though is like Force of Vigor, where people just did not understand how good that card was, and I, I still don't think people understand how good that card is. Like it, it is the only one of that cycle that is routinely a, a two for two, as opposed to being a two for one like Force of Negation is. So. Um, yeah, there's there's just a lot of cards like that, um, and you know we're seeing 
Yawgmoth uh, pop up a little bit more in in modern. Uh, that's the you know the green black Yawgmoth deck playing with the undying creatures. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I just think it's gosh, there's just so many cards, and I think that was a big shift in the format too. Like obviously, that's still part of the fire design, um, but people just didn't understand how big and powerful the cards were actually getting um, from War of the Spark pushing forward until oh, yeah. Mono Horizons came out and Hogak was like, ah, I'm here and I'm better than everything else you're trying to do. Right. And even when you, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Keep going. Uh, but, but even when people, you know, tried to actually go attack a deck like Hogak, the deck is, you know, you can take out the graveyard and you still just die to a onslaught of, of, you know, two ones and then Venge Vines and all these things. Like, um, it's definitely a, with the current way they're doing design, I think, starting with especially War of the Spark, but Mount Horizons 1, there's just a lot of cards that people really underestimate until they're in the shell. And a lot of these decks that we're seeing now in Modern and Legacy are really just one or two cards away from just being a, a, a busted pile. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, and I know... Um... I know just recently, didn't Ragavan get banned? Was that in Legacy it got banned? Yeah, banned in Legacy, yeah. Okay. That was a heartbreaker because that, that card did me a lot of good. So uh, that was locally, I was doing pretty well with it, but I, I won Eternal Weekend this this year, one of the events. I would mm-hmm. Ragavan in my deck, and that there was a lot of games where I played Ragavan on turn one, I cast Days to counter the protection spell, and I won the game off the back of a 2-1. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's just and once again, I think Blue Red Delver in Legacy has always been one of the best decks. You know, it's, if it's not Blue Red Delver, it's Teamer or Skrixis. But you know, Blue Red Delver at that point in time was leagues ahead of I think whatever one else was doing, and they had to ban it. And that's just kind of where I think where the Legacy format, especially, is right now. If you, something gets that far ahead, you, you have to take action. Yeah. So, so, so before we dive more into legacy, I, I love hearing that Delver, the the actual Delver card, and just the Delver shell has survived for so long as just being yeah. like the number one. Because I remember when I stopped playing Legacy, because I only really had two decks in Legacy. I had Mono Green Stompy as my budget, and um, then I had uh, Legacy Elves, which was my main yeah. deck, and. Um, so I can still remember going to Legacy Nights and just one or two people playing. What was it, Saltai Delver or was it yeah, yeah. Teamer yeah, Delver? Delver. What was yeah, it? Yeah, they played Saltai with like Deathrite Shaman. They yeah. played um, Teamer with like I mean Mongoose back in the day, but like you know Tarmogoyf, Hooting Mandrills. I think was more recently. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's always been some form of Delver deck. Has always been the top, the best. And I love that. That friggin' who knew that stupid little Delver of Secrets would still be good after all these years. I mean, I know. Sh- sh- I yeah. mean, that was one of my favorite Popper decks. Is a Del was is it Delver in Popper? Um, yeah. But before they, I still have it in paper. But th- I guess they banned Days and Gush at some point. And I still have it in my deck. I haven't played Popper in years. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I actually played that format like. I guess that was Saturday. I was at my local oh, nice. store and um, playing EDH actually, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna start our popper tournament." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't really want to do that. I don't even have a deck." They're like, "Here's a deck," and I was like, "Okay." So I just played popper for <laughs> two and a half hours. Yeah, um, popper can be so much fun too. It's, yeah, it's um, it's just 
it's amazing how they these cards that like have been you know printed you know 20 plus years and you end up playing with like i don't know a, a, an uncommon for, or a common rather from like guild packs and you're like wow what an unbeatable bomb i can't beat this pro right. colored card <laughs> like what is this format <laughs> Um, it's a, it's really cool seeing that, and like yeah. you know, I, I got to play like a blue black control list, um, which actually had Delver in it, which um, maybe you'd like that one. But you know, I played against Elves too, which was a really interesting match. We got to play against like a red white aggro kind of deck. Like, the, it's just a lot of room for people to actually innovate in that format. Definitely one that's oh, yeah. kind of underplayed. Yeah, the, the two popper decks I had, I still have. I still have them sleeved up. Um, the Is It Delver, which is now no longer legal. Um, and then I had um, Rakdos Reanimate being able to try Ooh. to get a Ulamog's Crusher by turn two and all <laughs> yes. that. I'll, every time I've been able to do that in a pop- popper game, it's the best feeling ever. Because that has Annihilator 2, I think. Yeah, which is like in, insane. It's an 8 8, I think, too. So it's just basically the Abyss. And, and if you get that on turn two and, and swing turn three on your opponent, they're basically done. They can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But um but anyways, going back to modern, I, I let's reminisce. So since I don't know really anything about the meta today, which I do want to get into, I, I want to ask you some questions about modern of just some of the boogeymen of the format that I remember back then. Um okay. so I remember Snapcaster Mage being like one of the best creatures in the format. And it's personally my favorite creature of all time. Because mm. I, I used to love doing Bolt Snap Bolt in my yeah. Grixis Delver deck. Because it was like the the best feeling ever. Um, and it, so so my question is, Snapcaster Mage still a good card? Is it still C-Play? Or is it just not as good now? Or It's still a, it's still a powerful card. The format has sped up so much. That three Jesus. mana is a lot of mana. What? Are you kidding me? Because <laughs> I mean, Snapcaster Mage is so cheap. Well, it, yeah, but it's 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 minimum three mana, right? Like this was when Snapcaster was really like, I, I think in my mind like top dog, right? You were being able to play it along with like Remand. Um, yeah. You were able to cast Manaly it with and... like Manly Cryptic Command. Like you could yeah. Snapcaster Cryptic Command was actually a play you could make. Oh yeah, oh yeah, reliably. Um, and now we're at a point where if you were to tap out for six mana like that, you, you're probably just going to die on the following turn. Um, oh like you need to have God. a powerful play. Damn. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like the, the closest like spiritual successor to that deck, I think right now would be either the blue red list or something like a blue red Merktide list. Um, okay. Or there is a Grixis shadow list that, you know, Lurus recently got banned. So that deck is kind of seeing a facelift and I, I've been trying to play around with it a little bit myself. Um, it's kind of in my wheelhouse, but you end up having these lists that are still trying to accrue value like you do with Snapcaster Mage, but mm-hmm. you are trying to just do it off of two for ones. You have things like Archmage's Charm. You have, um, you know, depending on the version of the deck, um, you have Ragavan in the deck too. But I think Ragavan is such a good way of getting car- uh, getting two for ones. Expressive Iteration is like a format defining card right now. Oh, that's the Strixhaven uh, Uncommon, right? Strixhaven Uncommon, another yeah. card that people looked at and were like, I don't think this is very good, and that they, people, everyone's been surprised. It's a multi-format all-star now. Oh, oh dude, that card was so good in Strixhaven Draft. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. You'd like auto-draft it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm drafting mainly white and black. Like, oh, nope, I'm going, is it now? 
Yeah, like so that is that's kind of where we were at too. And um, you know, if you're playing the if you're playing a list like the blue red Merktide list, um, you can literally cast Merktide for two mana and make it a six six seven seven eight eight maybe, uh, and then still hold up counter spell. So at that point, like, do you really need to have the Snapcaster Mage, which is getting you a two one body and the counter spell back? Like, you can just afford to have the mana to have counter spell, um, and that's kind of what we're running into. So, wait, wait, is Counterspell Modern Legal now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Modern oh, Legal. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's in uh, Modern Horizons 2. Oh, that's right. That's right. I f- oh, damn. damn. Yeah, because like some of the best Counterspells were, at least, you know, Mana Leak, Remand was huge because um, mm-hmm. of the card advantage, and then Cryptic Command were some of like, the all-stars for Counterspells, and then Force Negation, that came out. That was insanely good. Shit, I forgot about Counterspell. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, so another card that I remember that was hugely controversial when it got unbanned um, back in the day, because it was banned for a little bit, then they unbanned it because they were wanting to test the waters with it, and that was Bloodbraid Elf. It, yeah. Is that still even seen play anymore? Because that, that was Jund, if I remember. It was Jund. Yeah, yeah there was playing seeing play in Jund. There was a couple other variants of, the, like, of that deck where, like, you know, you could use that to cascade into some random, I'm going to say random cards. Like, I think yeah. the decks you have are going to either be very focused or they're not going to be very focused. And I think the Genlist was the most dedicated Bloodbraid Elf deck where, like, you could mm-hmm. try to go into Liliana the Veil, right? Um, a lot, once again, I think the issue with the format getting faster is the fact that you need what more interaction on turn one and turn two. So now something like Bloodbraid Elf is now, even if if the four drop, it's a little slow, but you at least get a two for one. But because you sped up your deck, you have a lot more one drops and two drops. So now instead of hitting a Liliana the Veil or a Tarmogoyf or um, you know Season Pyromancer, it, another card from Mount Horizons one, um, oh, you're yeah, going to hit. Right. It, now you're more likely to hit uh, Unholy Heat, Mount Horizons two card. Um, Lightning Bolt, Thoughtseize, which Thoughtseize is usually not terrible, right? But by turn four, your opponent's hand might be empty. So (laughs) it it lost a lot of steam um, in the the current format. And we're seeing lists that are playing Cascade Creatures still. I mean, we're seeing like Charlotte's Agent, which is another card from Modern Horizons 2. Oh, that's that's in Modern now, because I used to be a Legacy All-Star. Yeah, oh, Charlotte's Agent and uh, Buck Charlotte was insane in Legacy, yeah. But yeah, now, now we're seeing it in modern, but it's really just a combo card for the most part. Um, using it okay. to get like living end and um, ca- uh, cascading footfalls, things like that. So it, the deck has definitely changed a little bit. And it, once again, there's room to be a value a value type of deck, but you still need to have a, a powerful clock and or some powerful combo in the deck. And a lot of people are just using it to cast those uh, suspend spells for free. Man, you're making me sad, billionaire. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's it's all right. It's just holy shit. Modern's just a completely different beast now. Just what it was four or five years ago. Um, yeah. all, all right, all right. Some more cards. Um, mm-hmm. Lilia, Liliana of the Veil. Vale. I remember that was like the end all be all planeswalker, especially for John. Like it was just so ridiculously good. Yeah, it was. It was ridiculously good. Um, it's a similar issue. I mean, the format is just very different. And, you know, if you're talking about 
even a three out. a three mana planeswalker is not good anymore. It's just like not it. So I've actually played Lily on the Veil in a Grixis deck a week, a week ago, possibly okay. a week ago, and it ends up in this weird situation where like if people are afraid of you playing instants and sorceries, they're gonna bring in cheap counter magic. The best cheap counter magic I think right now is probably something like Spell Pierce, which also coincidentally hits Lily on Veil. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of decks that I would want to bring it in against, like you know playing against like the like blue white um, hammer deck, right? That plays um, Sigarda's Aid and um, Colossus Hammer, things like that. Okay, and they okay. have um, there's a couple creatures that have like pro red and pro black, which is a big issue for a Grixis deck. But the issue is they play so many creatures, I can't actually edict them to get it off the battlefield using Liliana. So true, we true. play this weird game where I'm trying to like pinpoint all these Memnites and Ornithopters just to get to this 2-2, and I can never catch up. Um, once again, I just think the format is, is so fast that there's a lot of situations where Liliana's edictability, which I think was the best reason to be playing Liliana. You know, your opponent would play a 5-6 Tarmac Wolf on turn 2, and you'd just be like, oh, edict. And yeah. now you're ahead. Um, now that that's not really a, a, a reality, it's just not as good now. And, you know, playing the Grixis deck, especially, I'm playing, I'll uh, play Ragavan on turn one, and maybe they kill it, and I play double Dragon Rage Chandler on turn two, and then they edict, and I'm like, okay, cool. Kill your Liliana. I, and then Damn. continue the game, and now I'm, now I'm ahead. So, yeah, it's it's a hard, it's a hard sell now. It's, and once again, this is, this is just what happens with a lot of these cards. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, so, I feel like I've like shattered some dreams here. I'm really sorry. No, 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 no. It, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, uh, honestly, if I was ever to get back into modern, I, one, I don't even have an LGS I go to anymore because the LGS near me, they stopped doing events altogether. Cause, well, yeah. I don't blame them because that LGS sucked. Um, and then there is another one by me that's about 30 minutes away, but... Dude, I'm getting older now, and I'm just like, I don't yeah. like like driving 30 minutes on like a Monday or Tuesday night when I know I'm gonna have to get up butt ass early the next day. It's like, and I don't, I don't know, just it's I'm not into that anymore, you know. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. There's my local store is only open from Wednesday to Sunday, so like there's a store that's 40 minutes away, and they run they run great events if you're in the philadelphia area alternate universes they do a great job um all the stores are fantastic but the one option that i have is that they play modern on on monday night but like mm-hmm. they start at quote unquote seven but that ends up being seven fifteen. people running late 7 20 and then you have, and, you have three or four rounds you're not getting done to like 10 30 11 mm-hmm. um, and then you're yeah. not going to get home till almost midnight exactly yeah, and then you know I'm I'm away from the kids, and my wife's got to put them down by herself. That's a nightmare, and like then I have to once again I have to wake up at six o'clock for work the next morning. Like, yeah, it, it's supposed to not worth it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's um. So no, you're you're not ruining any dreams. It's just more. It, it's more of a shock as how like all these cards that I'm I'm still gonna name some more cards just see what how they are. So I remember once again like Grixis going back to Grixis, um mm-hmm. Young Pyromancer was like a fucking all star for me. Cause like if I was able to get it and it survived a turn, I I then mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh you're done. Like I'm just gonna stop everything you're doing or kill everything you're playing and just amass this army of elementals. 
Is 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 it even any good anymore? I think it's so it it's not good in it's not good currently in modern, but that's not its fault. I think that's more once again of the fact that you're you have the option of Ragavan, which fills a similar role. Obviously, you have the ability to go wide, and I actually do think Young Pyromancer is interesting because if you if they're both going to survive, the Young Pyromancer is actually going to be advantaged there because it's able to produce blockers for Ragavan yeah. to overturn. So I actually think that's probably a better spot. Um, the issue is if you're saying, you know, do you want this two drop or do you want this one drop, and you're going to have to be able to protect one or the other. I think Ragavan ends up getting the nod because once you get rolling with that card, it's it's just easier to keep rolling. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but there definitely are some matchups where I think, you know, if you have the, that red creature and a spell pierce, for example, right? I think you are probably better off with Young Pyromancer. But nine times out of ten, the Ragavan is just to me in a better spot. Sure. Uh, we are actually seeing Young Pyromancer as an option, at least back in Legacy, now that Ragavan's gone. Um, that deck oh, is that's still. Good to know. Yeah, I mean, the, the deck was interesting at a point because. Um, the blue red delver deck was playing for Ragavan, playing for Ragnarok Channel, or playing for Murktide Regents, and then it would play some number of other cards, like maybe it's played Brazen Borrower um, as a one or two of, something like that. Um, but they would play Delver Secrets as a two of. Um, mm-hmm. So now that Ragavan got banned, they upped the Delvers back up from two to four. And then people were trying to figure out, well, what do I actually want to play in these other slots? Like, do I actually want to play four Murktide Regents? Or is that too many? Uh, maybe I could play three of those in one Brazen Borrower. Maybe I, oh, I have actually some flex spots here too. So maybe I want to play um, some number of True Name Nemesis. Or maybe I want to play some number of Young Pyromancers. Um, and that's one of those cards too. I think, depending on what people are doing in the format, I always think Young Pyromancer is always going to be an option because it is a powerful card. It always plays well with days. Um, and once again, comparing it to the other other cards, right? If you don't need to have that bounce effect you get from Brazen Borrowers, Adventure, um, or if you don't need it to be you know, unblockable and cost three mana, um, the fact that Young Pyromancer, especially in Legacy, is not a blue or yeah, is not a blue spell, doesn't get hit mm-hmm. by Pyroblast, is at least gonna be a nominee's oh, yeah, favor. That's all right. That's all right. Nice. Okay. Okay. All right, last creature I'm going to ask about, and it's probably the most well-known modern creature card out there. Used to cost 200 bucks a pop when it was like the best. Do you remember that? Tarmogoyf. When oh, yeah, yeah. When, when Tarmogoyf was $200 a pop. It was and, expensive, yeah. And I think the last I saw Tarmogoyf was like 40 or 50 bucks, and maybe it's cheaper now. I don't know. I bought I bought four of them for fifteen bucks each. Um, <laughs> Holy shit! How long ago? Um, I would have to double check. I think it was like a month ago, two months ago. Uh, I'm gonna look on um on cardsphere.com right now. So the cheapest Tarmogoyf you can get is Time Spiraled Remastered for twenty two dollars. Oh, okay. Which even then. Which even then, when I compare the price of it back when I used to play modern, like two hundred bucks a pop, like that to me is ridiculously cheap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, so is that even good in modern anymore? Yeah, I think that's one of the cards. I think that's actually held up pretty well, uh, just because once again, it's just a really good body, and you're seeing a lot of interesting design space from Wizards where they're trying to introduce more things. Um, the big modern deck that you're seeing it in is a like a, a jund variant of 
the Ragavan deck. So if you're playing Ragavan, but you're also playing uh, Renin Six, which is <clears throat> another card from Modern Horizons. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but you're also pairing it with Urza Saga, which is a new card from Modern Horizons Two, which oh, is a land that yeah. produces artifacts that searches for artifacts, but also is an enchantment. So now you that have something dumb. that. <laughs> so good. I just like it, it I've is. never played it in a deck. Like I played it once in vintage online, but I've never actually played it. I just bought a playset. I was like, I'm just gonna have this and eventually I'll I'll find a use for it. Like yeah. the card is just insane. It's it's a hard thing to even try to figure out what's going on with the card when you first read it. Like it, it doesn't read as powerful as it actually is. Right. Yeah. But in a deck that can recur it with <laughs> recur it and kind of use all the parts of the buffalo like you can with that deck because once again it is an enchantment which is not a type you probably want to put in your deck nine times out of ten um but it's a land so you can get it back with either um red and six you can get it back with uh life in the loam if you're playing it in like some kind of um legacy list or something like that like the card is just so powerful and uh, tarmogoyf really shines there just because it fills a really good void of being an early creature that Mm, um, nice. gets big very large and can block pretty well and I, once again I think Ragavan especially in modern is such a defining part of the format that having a creature that can routinely be a 3-4 get around a lightning bolt and can protect you from getting hit by Ragavan I think is, it's just really important oh nice to know so it's not completely useless um, <laughs> no, definitely just not. the price of it went dramatically down plummeted <laughs> <laughs> which I mean Finally, because it was reprinted how many times and still kept its price tag. And like good cards should do that to to an extent, right? And we saw that mm. before with the the fetch lands. I think a lot of the fetch lands have finally gotten to a point, especially the the Zendikar ones, the you know the enemy colored oh, ones. Yeah, have yeah. Finally, have a point where like instead of a hundred dollar scalding tarn, which is too much for a land, it's like twenty five bucks, twenty bucks maybe. Like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, card sphere saying it's $27 right now which holy shit that when I played when I got my fetch lands when I got some of my Zendikar fetch lands for modern like some of the cheapest ones were oh god was it marsh flats and mm -hmm. oh what's the boros Arid one Mesa. yeah Arid Mesa. and those were like 40 50 bucks a pop yeah. <laughs> still compared to what scalding tar mr rainforest and um Oh, what's the Golgari one? Um, uh, Verdant Catacombs. Yep, Verdant Catacombs were still, you know, 70 to 100 mm -hmm. and all that, so. Yeah, but Arid Mesa's <clears throat> now are like 15, 18 bucks maybe. Jeez, uh, I need to pick some up. I really do. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, it's nice that you can actually, rather than being priced out of some cards, and we saw the same thing happen with uh, Phyrexian Tower, right? That got reprinted in Modern Horizons 2 as well. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of cards that you're like i just i just can't justify that to myself and now it's like oh it's like 15 20 bucks okay cool i can yeah. i can do that like that's that's kind of where i would like to be with magic where you're not getting priced out especially you know even from competitive players but for casual players like i don't mind having a a scalding tarn like picking up a scalding tarn for my edh deck like cause that's fine. yeah exactly yeah it doesn't but, feel that bad as opposed to a hundred dollars like i'm not it's not worth dollars to me yeah. to to juice up my one edh deck um especially for a land so yeah exactly exactly um try not to sneeze right now um <clears throat> so okay uh i got i still got some more modern questions for your brain sure. that and and this is for my audience if you've listened to my show for years now you used to know i used to play a lot of modern and 
I, I know I've said this before in other episodes. I just know nothing about it now. And bringing you on, I just want to pick your brain about modern now. And and we'll we'll get to legacy. We'll get there. It's um, so in modern. I want to know about some of these decks to see if they're even still relevant. Um, well, well, actually, no, no. There was a question I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure this probably gets asked a lot in the modern community. Would if Splinter Twin were unbanned today, would it be as powerful as it was like because that was sort of like the 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 police of the format Mm -hmm. when when it was unbanned i think it still is um that's one of those decks that i think when people think about how the deck should be i think they still want to imagine a world where we're playing the one is a charm and like we're doing the remands and doing stuff like that i think the deck looks entirely different now uh, but once again, the, the cards are so powerful and, you know, just kind of thinking about what it would look like loosely, like you could actually probably afford to play uh, Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, Murktide Regent, uh, Counterspell, maybe you can actually play Snapcaster in this deck, uh, trying to veer a little bit more controlling. But just having the option to end a turn combo people is just really, really powerful. The, the deck, you know, you could actually probably especially towards the end of its life cycle, we were seeing people go from just a straight blue-red list into a, like a Jeskai list um, and oh, using white right. for things like Path to Exile, right, to yeah, get rid of yeah. some larger creatures. Well, if you still want to do the Jeskai thing, well, you could just play Teferi, and now your opponent cannot do anything for for a turn. That's true, that's true. And that yeah. seems a lot better. So, you know, control the battlefield for a little bit, play Teferi, hold up Counterspell, they probably can't do anything past that. Um, you untap and you know go from there, and you're you're way ahead. I, I think if it were unbanned today, they would quickly reban it. That it's just one of those cards. That I don't think I think it's still too powerful for the format. And okay. uh, I, I think it's one thing. I think they've been a little aggressive in some bans, um, and some things on the ban list could probably come off. But I, I don't think Flutter Spins one of them, thankfully. Okay. Okay. So so let's take it. A- trip back down memory lane so i can recall the when it got banned what happened shortly after that to the modern format eldrazi winter mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and i just always found that funny like what, what, what was it that one grand prix or, or pro tour they did of modern where like everybody <laughs> was playing eldrazi like it it was the eldrazi mimic into Oh my god, I'm forgetting some of the names here, but just like all the good Oath of the Gatewatch and Battle for Zendikar Eldrazi that they made. Lots of Thought Not Seers, yeah. Yeah, Thought Not Seer, yeah. Um, and it was just I, I just remember laughing so much in like the Reddit and um MTG Salvation when I used to do mm-hmm. when I used to go there a bunch. Um because everybody was saying this wouldn't have happened if Splinter Twin was still <laughs> unbanned and I mean yeah. Probably maybe, would have seen not. at least one or two Splinter Twins in the top eight or something. Mm-hmm. But, man, I always found that hilarious that as soon as they do that, boom, we get into Eldrazi Winter for how long? Was was it just it was a couple just months? Just for the summer. Or? Yeah, just they, the summer. Okay. they got rid of that really quickly. They That was one of the ones that... And I, I, this is, you know, you talk, ask Mapson about this too. I'm, like, not very good at looking at things at cards in general i just don't quite my brain doesn't quite work like that like once it's in place i can kind of figure out well maybe i want this maybe i need to adjust here but i'm not a good oh that's a great card 
Uh, Matt's been very good at that. So, like, he he's done that a couple times with things like Uro recently, where he's just like, this card's just busted. I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, isn't that uh, banned now in Modern? It's Uro? banned in Modern now, yeah. Oh, damn. I forgot. He, oh, I forgot about that card. Damn. Yeah, he caught on to that, I'm going to say, in, like, during the pre-release. He's like, I need all the Euros I can find. I'm like, okay. So, we, like, <laughs> open one in our team field. He's like, yep, this is fine now. Um, but he, I think he had four before the end of the weekend. But he's like, the card's just insanely good. And, like, and I don't think people yeah. understand why. Um, the one of the ones I did so pick up standard. on. Oh, yeah, it was just insane. Like, it, but people are so bad at realizing when cards get busted, especially when they're in a wider set. Like, I think those, like, I think the design space. I think for the of the Gate Watch um, Eldrazi creatures that makes sense to me. But when you start pairing them with the mana that you get from the previous sets, now it's just insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I because I can remember I remember back then like the the Eldrazi's didn't seem that good, but when you compare it to Eldrazi Temple and um oh what's the other one um uh, I, I of Ugin or I of Ugin yeah. yeah yeah like like those were just pl- play free Eldrazi essentially mm. without having to tap mana it's just stupid um yeah. y- y- you know speaking of Uro that reminds me of. And I know I said this on the podcast at some point. Maybe I said it on Magic for Normies with Pixie when when we were talking about Throne of Eldraine um, that that freaking set. I, I can remember when we were looking at Oko and I'm all like, yeah, Oko, that card sucks. That's not going to be any good. <laughs> like, yep. Like, I, I took a look at it. I'm like, it, it's not doesn't do anything like who cares about food tokens and stuff because i i didn't think about the oh i turn everything you own into a three three elk and it loses everything just like yeah oh okay that's pretty yeah, good. To his credit, that's a little map pick up really quickly it's like we we figured out a food token was like something we like it probably gains you life or maybe it maybe it draws you a card but like that would be a clue and like i don't know what it would be and he's like it literally doesn't matter it's very obviously an artifact this card's busted move on and they're like i don't i don't get it but like that's another one he picked up on it's that's a, it's one of those cards too that like you like um, like you said like unless you actually see it in play you just don't understand what they're trying to do yeah yeah and once you see it in play you're like this is wrong i don't know i don't know why but like this is not this is not good and i think in especially you saw this kind of in a wider span right in um, the first weekend Throne of Dream was legal. I played this um, kind of, I think it was cool. It's like a mono black Ayara um, deck. And I played four Witches Ovens and the cat. four Cauldron Familiars. Yeah. Uh, and this is before that combo was even, uh, that was the one I caught. I'm like, this is actually really insane, especially with the Yara where you can keep triggering it throughout mm-hmm, the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one I caught on to. I just didn't realize how good Oko was. Otherwise, I just would have played Oko. Um, Alpha didn't realize how good um, Field of the Dead was or Golos was. That's a whole other issue. But oh god, um, that's right. <laughs> but like, I was like, oh yeah, I got the I got this really cool combo. And people are like, oh, that's really neat. Oko plus you get a three three. And I'm like, oh, I really want my I really want my oven though. They're like, nah, you get a three three. So yeah, right, <laughs> right, dude, dude. So, so going back then, so um, a, a little bit of a side before I started just playing in terms of constructed, I just play EDH now. Um, mm-hmm. not, not really counting if I play standard on arena or whatever, that's, you know, sure. I don't, I don't count that. Um, but so I used to be a heavy standard player from, um, my first standard format was Innistrad. No, no. Um, when gate crash came out, okay. um, Boros Reckoner was my first standard oh. deck. 
Love so freaking good. Bor- th- the only cards I can remember, like what Boros Charm, Boros Reckoner, Ash Zealot. I'm sure there's others. I just can't remember some of the other cards. Little in Myth- Mythia Mortars? Maybe? I, I, overload that bad boy? I, I have a list somewhere. Like It may be on my old tapped out uh, okay. .net account when tapped out was like the deck building site. <laughs> God, I feel like we're showing our age here, man. I know, yeah. <laughs> but, um... And MTG Salvation, like, dude, I used to spend hours on there, like, pouring over people's deck guides and primers and, like, talking with people, like, try to make my decks better and, you know, what are some budget pieces of stuff. Um, uh, but, but, but anyways, so I stopped playing Paper Standard around Guilds of Ravnica. Um, and, oh, shoot. What, what's after Guilds? Um... Um, are you t- not what I'm trying because Guilds of Ravnica something then War of the Spark. Why am I forgetting oh, um, it? Not Gate Crash. I'm keeping the um, it's the oh my god, why am I forgetting? Oh, uh, Ali- Ravnica Alliance or yeah, or Allegiance or Allegiance, yeah, yeah, that one. So I stopped right around there, um, around Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance, and um, but dude, talk about. I'm so glad I stopped playing paper standard because like, yeah. cause what was it like from M20 until about what battle for not battle for Zen, uh, Zendikar rising. rising yeah. yeah. Zendikar rising poor standard, man. The, so many standard. We've never seen that many standard bands before ever. Yeah. Like we had it, the, the companions, we had the forge from Ikoria or, or Theros. Um, you know, Uro, Oko, the Cat Oven, um, mm-hmm. freaking Golos was banned, Field of the Dead, freaking yeah. everything. <laughs> Fires of Invention was banned too. Yeah, yeah Fire, Fires of Invention. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the uh, Forge one I was thinking of. Uh, did they ban Arch- um, Agent of Treachery too? Was that banned at some point? Yeah, yeah, that was banned at some point because, um, well, why was that banned? Because of Oko, or not Oko, um, is it was a fires or invention or I think I think it was because of fires. Yeah, yeah. they and once again this is like the I think when you have you this is a, a kind of a, a tangent here, but have you watched um the Vox Machina, the Legend of Vox Machina? Yeah, the cartoon um, or the animation, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. So so they did it, for those spoilers to anyone who has not watched this, and I apologize ahead of time, but this is a very small uh, snippet of this. Um, one of the characters wants to like up the production. They want to start um, kind of up production of one of the most valuable resources, and and the person, the ruler, is like, "No, we're we're doing fine. We don't need to do that." If you keep pulling years and years of really interesting designs and jamming them into a smaller and smaller area, you're eventually going to get to this point where it just overloads. Mm-hmm. And in a standard format, especially that has needs to have a relatively, I don't want to say flat, uh, I don't know if that's a fair level, but you need to have sets that at least move from level three to level five or level four to level six, but you can't have things in, the span of two years that go from three to ten because what yeah. ends up happening is that I don't have any interest in playing those threes yeah, the exactly. fives are like debatable and the tens you know and that's kind of what we saw like um, you know why would I ever want to play anything besides Skulls and Field of the Dead if that's just far and away the best thing I could be doing or I could be playing 
um, fires of invention, and I get to be wishing for cards in my sideboard, and you know, taking infinite turn. Like, there's a lot of things that be. Oh, I forgot. Next is a fate. That was another one. Oh <laughs> yeah, was... that's right. Oh my god, I, I remember like, first I... seeing that card. Like, it's not going to be that good. It's a seven mana, you know, instant take an extra turn, and then what was it that on um, that fog deck? that that nexus of fate played in um the turbo fog bullshit that was yeah. the most boring ass deck to watch like like blue white control is more interesting to watch than yeah. than that fog over and over yep. and over again God. I'm gonna, I'm wilderness, uh, wilderness reclamation I'm yeah a bunch of yeah. mana. i'll find this again and we'll just i'll just keep taking turns until i kill you with something i don't know oh, what God. we'll figure it out yeah. Like, and that's, once again, that, that's something you, you can do, but like, why are you doing that to people? Like, and, and I think that's one of those things I think people yeah. have finally started, but well, I think they did a good job finally. They're adjusting to this. Like, I, nobody wants that. Like, they mm-hmm. say they want more interesting designs, but they, they really just want interesting play patterns and interesting decisions. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more in, in standard. Um, and I think they're, I'm hoping, hoping, that, that's what we're going to see when we eventually get Modern Horizons 3, because I'm, I'm sure it's coming, um, is oh, that yeah. they'll stop injecting so many powerful cards into the format and just give you things you didn't know you wanted. Because, like I said, there's a lot of cards in those sets that I don't think people really had time to really embrace and really enjoy. Um, I think, like, Ravenous Squirrel, for example, is one that is finally seeing play in Modern. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> and, like, that's the card I looked at. I was like, this is, like crazy i like i don't i don't get it and then like you see it in playing which with uh witch's oven right and cauldron familiar now you're getting a one one three three a five five every turn like oh wow this is actually like a really cool engine i like yeah. this yeah uh, but you need to give people time to enjoy things and especially with standard you need a lot to allow people to have that area where i'm not super competitive i don't need to have um curve my one drop into my free spell into my two drop that can take over the game if it doesn't get checked on turn three like I can just enjoy a nice game. I can cast a four mana creature that has a cool inst- in- come into play effect, and we can play some magic. Kind of, the, and I always like to say the the way Garfield intended, right? But mm-hmm. you know, that's a, a lower power level. That's fun. Yeah, it can be. It can be. Man, there's been so many changes to constructed magic lately. Um, let's get into a little bit of legacy here. Mm-hmm. So, I I definitely am not as knowledgeable in legacy format like back even when i played it um mm-hmm. like because in my local meta there wasn't a lot of legacy players like most things because a lot of people were so outpriced and my lgs never allowed proxies or anything like that so it was a very small pool of legacy players so the decks i remember seeing the most back then were of course storm reanimator um hey some form of Delver. Oh god, what else was there? God, I, I mean, depending, there was like Cheerios and oh, Cheerios, nice. And um, oh, what is it? Oops, all spells. I think it was or okay, yeah. No, oh. Dr- Dr- Dredge was a really popular one, and even Manaless Dredge was another popular one too because I was okay. cheap mana base. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, what does the legacy format landscape look like now? I mean, I, I know we just got the Ragavan ban not too long mm-hmm. ago, but like, like walk me through it. So, I guess top down, I'll say it like this. Um, 
Blue Delver, I think, is still the number one deck, and you're still playing with Delver Secrets, Dragon Rage Channeler, Murktide Regent, backed up with Counter Spells, Force of Will, Days, um, Expressive Iteration, I think, is a, a premier level draw spell in this format. So you're seeing that. Uh, and that, in my mind, is just like the number one with a bullet, the, the best option uh, for people to play in in Legacy. Um, from there, you kind of figure out how you want to try to attack Delver, and you get a lot of different options. Uh, one of the ones that's been a little more popular, I think partially because it's kind of fun to do, is playing a Jeskai, usually a Jeskai for, uh, variant of this, um, that plays Hull Breacher, which is just good for people trying to cast Brainstorm. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So you get to play Hull Breacher along with like Days Undoing. Um, that obviously is really good because it locks your opponent out from drawing more cards. You make a bunch of treasures, um, and it makes drawing more days on doing things like that a little bit easier. Um, and you know, if you pair that with uh, something like a Narset, you have an alternative there, which is to deal with it in the matchup. Um, you have red, so you do have access to Pyroblast, which I think is important in this format. Lot, just a lot of blue decks right now. You have Teferi, which is just an excellent, really powerful card. Um, that's one of the ways you can do it. Um, but we've also seen people playing land, uh, like the land deck, right? There's actually a new variant that's playing. It's called Eight Mulch. Um, eight Mulch. Eight, eight Mulch. So it's, <laughs> it's literally like Mulch, and uh, I think it's called Find the Way or something like that. It's just it's Mulch, but you can either find lands or creatures. Your deck doesn't play okay. any creatures. Um, and then you play Mana Bond. And your goal is just to essentially slam Mana Bond and just put, like, six, seven lands in play at the same time, and you can kind of combo off with Feel of the Dead. Um, you get to put a bunch of Wastelands into play, maybe you make a Merit Lage, and you take over the game from there. Just oh, really, shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. I've seen some really crazy starts where people literally on turn two have nine man, uh, nine lands in play, and their opponent, they're just like, oh, here's here's 14 zombies, and you can go. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? I just die, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you're super dead. Like <laughs> that's great. I love yeah. it. Um, blue, uh, green, white depth is another option. Um, that's what Mapson is kind of well known for as far as I guess he's concerned. Um, once again, it's just a, a good mid range deck. There's not a lot of, I, I, this is probably not fair to say, but I feel like green, white depth is probably the best mid range deck in legacy right now, just because it has a really good, um, proactive plan of trying to, uh, you know, make a, big knight of the reliquary or a big um elvish reclaimer it can accrue mm-hmm. an advantage through that but it can also just kill you with a merit lage on turn two and it's Jesus. hard for people to attack both both Damn. angles yeah Damn, that's crazy uh, so, yeah so that's the, that's the deck that mapson likes and i think he would um try to push people to play but i mean there's a lot of other decks that have been really really popular uh it really just a matter of what you're interested in in trying because like i think death and taxes for example and i think this is another deck that has always kind of been around um death and taxes just the combination of eighth of vial with thalia guarding of thraben mm-hmm. and mother of runes is just always going to be a good combination but they've put so many more re- cards in the deck that have been really good uh skycleave apparition has been a recent oh, addition, yeah. addition from Seneca rising which is fantastic uh solitude from mono horizons 2 an absolute beating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you also have, like, Recruiter of the Guard, which is now, um, you know, Recruiter Guard, which is uh, legacy legal. 
Um, Urian has been really nice too, especially when you think about all the com come to play effects that you can put into a mono white deck. Um, so that's definitely another deck too. I think that has been very competitive. Um, a couple people who have been uh, doing really well in like the larger events, like the challenges and the, the showcase challenges they have on Magic Online, they usually just win it with um, Death of Access. It's just a good deck, especially over a oh, long tournament. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the decks that you've seen before, like Sneak and Show is still an option, Elves is still an option, um, Ad Nauseam Tendrils is one that I actually like a lot. Um, oh, which, yeah, I forgot about Ad Nauseam decks. And yeah, Sneak I mean, and Show. And Sneak and Show, yeah. I mean, they're they're both decks that have, once again, uh, you have to be pre prepared for them, and if you're not, especially Ad Nauseam Tendrils, like, you can just die on turn one if, <laughs> if you don't have the right plan. So you're just, you know planning on winning those post-board games and if you can win one of the two of them you got you got the match um the other one i think that's kind of newer that i think has been interesting is the eight cast deck which is not probably not the best name but um, you said plays... eight cats or cast eight, <laughs> eight cast oh cast. Uh, eight okay. cast eight cast would be interesting too, okay I, okay, I okay. To... <laughs> i was gonna say like eight cats i'm like what the fuck is that, that? card with familiars and <laughs> Well, our guardian. I, 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 I was about to like start writing down the list. Like oh, I'm playing eight cats now. Yeah. <laughs> no, so eight cast actually is uh, plays uh, thought cast. Um, like, okay, you know, and then also plays thought monitor, which is just thought cast or two more mana with the two two body. Another card from Modern Horizons two. Um, but this is in my mind, it's a deck that plays Urza Saga probably the best in the format just because you play so many artifacts it's really really easy for you to activate Urza socket and make a 5-5 a five five for the on the first activation um the deck also is like the best child of the void deck and you know we, we, you can still play something like um mono red like a blood moon deck or something like that mm -hmm. which plays chalice but i think a cast does it a little bit better just because it has um emery uh dragon unlock um as a card advantage engine to kind of record value. You don't actually yeah. play any one drop in the deck. So like you're not missing anything by actually playing Chalice here. Okay. Um, so that's definitely the deck I think that I, I personally like the best. Um, and it, it, there's uh, somebody who actually won three ch Sunday challenges in a row just playing the same, essentially the same 75 cards just oh, weekend after weekend after weekend. The deck's powerful and I think the big card that recently got that's kind of pushed the deck over the edge has been uh kappa uh oh the kappa cannoneer yeah cannoneer yeah yeah uh, you know it, isn't it that super in... expensive though like six mana or something it's six mana but you're playing so many like mistress baubles and you're playing Earth oh Ball. yeah okay um even your child the void right is taps to help with the improvised that's cost true. that's so, true yeah yeah it, it can oh, come it's an improvise two. Has improvised, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes it better. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen a lot of people just, you know, they go, I'm trying to think of an example, um, the Ancient Tomb, um, Mox, Opal, Mistress Bobble, Mistress Bobble, and, you know, Child of the Void, and they're just like, I'll just cast that out of here. I have a 5-5 five, five on turn one, go. Jesus. <laughs> Okay, well, what do I do now? <laughs> like, right. uh, and the, the fact that it has Ward Four, it's it's basically just has Shroud. I can't, I can never target that. Like, yeah, I'm that's, not... yeah, that's right. Yeah, because if you have like a path to exile, it's like a five mana to try to cast uh -huh. it. 
right yeah. jesus oh damn so yeah that's that's definitely one of the decks i think that's been uh a big a big winner recently and i'm hoping that they have issues with getting copies of the kappa out it, it's just because they don't release the decks online you can't just buy the deck and oh, get a copy I hate you that need to, shit. yeah yeah they need to work on the distribution models it's it's they've made it so it's twice as likely to get it as it was before but it's still not very common oh yeah because there's um, some edh decks i want to build on magic online yet some of the cards and commanders are ridiculously expensive only because of that, because they're from the pre-cons and, you know, they're like 10, 20 bucks compared to the paper price is like 10 cents. Yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah that, that's that's all I play on Magic Online is just EDH. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things I just don't, I don't understand. Um, because I really would like to play some, I would, I would probably play more EDH too online if, but some of the decks, and one thing I have, I've got a manager. My bar limits is pretty high, mm-hmm. um, you know, for what I need to do, but like getting priced out of decks like that, not because of anything else, but like, you know, if, for example, in that ACAST deck, right, between the Kappa Cannoneers and the Earth Sagas, I can't bar, I could, and Force of Will, I can't play the rest of the deck. Like yeah. that's that's the whole budget there, and I still need to play Chalice of the Void, which is also uh, you know a pretty penny. Yeah, um, it's it's weird that digital cardboard that can be generated at will is super expensive, and I understand you need an economy and things like that too. But like I wish I really do wish there was some kind of price correction for cards that were or over a hundred tickets yeah. online. That doesn't make any sense to me. For sure, it doesn't doesn't make any sense at all. I agree. Like um. I'd love to build some more of my paper decks in Magic Online because that, that's pretty much what I mainly play. Like, if I'm going to play EDH on Magic Online, I want to try to play my paper decks as close as possible, right? There's going to be some cards I own in paper that are I don't want to pay the money in Magic Online, like, you know, Gaia's Cradles and some some of the other really expensive cards, like Force of Will, Force of Negation. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to pay 50 to 100 tickets just for one card like that yeah i I have it forever and i can sell it back but still it doesn't feel good you know especially if i'm not going to own it in paper um Mm -hmm. but it's so so getting back to legacy here i wanted to ask um with you being more in tune with it and and help we'll even pose this question to modern too the affordability of the format barring magic online because i know magic online with mana traders card hoarder and even was it doesn't goat bots have a something like that well, yeah, some, like a borrowing program now like so, so there's easy ways to play modern legacy and hell you probably even vintage on magic online mm-hmm. that, that relatively cheap with the subscription or even if you want to buy the cards they're going to be way cheaper than in paper but speaking of just paper and now that events are slowly starting to come back i mean realistically if you want to get into modern legacy today how do you do it? Because I've seen some prices of some decks, and j- just from a couple months ago, even modern decks are getting from like two to three grand now, and just it's the affordability is just insane. Not even talking about legacy. I mean, yeah. I mean, my my big thing with a lot of these are like if you're gonna play something, make sure you actually like it first. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I I got lucky with my first legacy deck. My first legacy deck was Death and Taxes. And 
I played, I bought my Wastelands, I had bought my Shot and Ports, I bought my um, Crocuses, which were all at the time pretty expensive. And then I finally played my first game with a deck. I was like, oh, I like this. And I'm very lucky because that could have gone very, very <laughs> Oh, dude, very, I felt the same way about Legacy Elves. Like, I loved oh, yeah. Modern Elves. Legacy mm-hmm. Elves, it's like, dude, some of my favorite games have always been, you know, doing turn three combo win. Um, yeah, yeah. Or even, I even did a turn two combo win at one point. Um, and one, one, of, one of my favorite games, just real quick, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you can really appreciate this, is I always fucking hated Storm players, right? Because Storm <laughs> players can just go off and turn one or turn two, and you're just like... You're just sitting there as they, you know, jerk themselves off and just, okay, are you going to win? So, so my friend told me about Mindbreak Trap and I'm like, oh, I'm buying a playset of them. <laughs> and, and because Storm was so prevalent in our local meta, like I'd always put four Mindbreak Trap, you know, in games two and three and just always try to mulligan down to where I get one. And I still remember the first time I cast it, like the Storm player, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, go do it, do it, mm-hmm. do it. And then they go do their, you know, gut shot or or the empty the barons is it or empty whatever the warrens. or yeah. empty the warrens yeah um i would just be like mind break trap <laughs> exile or counter everything and they're just like just that face of fuck you <laughs> yeah uh, i do have uh, i played against i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say his name because it's it's not worth bringing up but um i played against somebody at an SCGO, uh, very prominent player from a decade ago right um and this is my first first time actually playing the deck and i'm like i'm still trying to figure out the things um mm-hmm. he's, he's playing storm and he just goes turn one kill you i'm like looking at my hand i'm like man dolly would be so good but okay i'm dead i'm just dead i'm fine yeah um i'm mm-hmm. gonna play for game two um turn one she tries going off but ends up like you know not having actually having enough mana has to pass the turn back i play thalia and win the game from there pretty pretty easily. Um, game three, I'm looking at my hand. I'm like, okay, this, this will work. And he looks at his open hand, and he's like, sorry, buddy. I was like, okay. And he's just like, no, dark ritual, dark ritual. Um, I'm going to cast this. I'm going to cast that. I'm going to cast it. Cool. Empty my hand. I'm going to um, Infernal Tutor. I'm going to go get a Nauthium. And I'm like, oh, you have no cards in hand? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. My brick drop? <laughs> <laughs> dude, okay. it's the best feeling ever. <laughs> yes, dude. It, oh, it just man. it humbles people very quickly. Dude, that so. that was great. But um, so affordability of like modern legacy nowadays. So so back when you and I got into the format, like I don't know how long you've actually been playing. You probably it sounds like you've been playing modern legacy longer than I have because I got into it around. I want to say around the cons battle for Zendikar period is when I really started getting in modern legacy. Yeah. So I was, I'm trying to, my just, it's, this is a big backtrack. I started playing around uh, judgment. So I've been mm-hmm. playing for playing magic for a while, but I had been doing like the JSS series, um, which was standard focus, right? So mm-hmm. playing that, but once I got into, I think it was high school, it get, did the thing where it, they stopped doing JSS and then they picked it back up when I was in high school and they extended it from anything was like 13 to 17, but I was legal again uh, for JSS. So I was playing that once I went to college, um, modern still wasn't legal. It was extended still. Oh, yeah. um, okay. but I was playing, 
extended um, from my time in college until my senior year, where they start. That was when they did uh, Perch for Philadelphia, which introduced um, the uh, the modern format. So I've, I've actually been playing modern in some form um, since since the beginning of the of its inception. Damn, man. Nice. Yeah, because I started playing Magic during Urza Saga, okay. and um, I was a little kid. We, we had no game store or anything, so it was just me and my friends playing kitchen table bullshit. Um, and then I played again during Ravnica Kamigawa after college, and that was, again, kitchen table shit. There was no game stores we went to, and I finally got back in and have not stopped since for some ungod no ungodly reason. Um, don't know why. I mean, I fucking love the game. I still do. I still love the game. Like it's mm-hmm. there. I, I still wouldn't be playing it for as long as I have, but I, I got back in at M 13 and just have not stopped since. Okay. Um, but so, so yeah, even when I got into modern legacy, it was expensive even back then during cons battle for Zendikar like that mm-hmm. around then. Um, but, I look at deck praise like if I'm a new player, right? Standard's not my thing. Commander, eh, t- too many rule zeros, you know. I, j- I just want to be able to play fun magic and just, you know, get into it. I don't want to have, you know, therapy sessions on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Joking EDH players don't get so, so mad. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. Um, sure, yeah. <laughs> You know, I just want to play magic. I, I, you know, if my opponent hates that I'm playing control, whatever. It's a one-on-one competitive thing. So, what would you even recommend for someone wanting to get into Modern Legacy now with the prices the way they are? Uh, my, besides obviously making sure you knew, you know what you want. Yeah, to yeah, play. yeah, yeah. That that's um, one. I, my thing would be trying to figure out what you can borrow from friends and what you can't borrow from friends. Um, I, I'm very lucky, and we we talked about this in my group chat basically every other day. My friend was like, "Ah oh, man, I like I really want to play this this Jun deck, but I have to, I don't have Ren and Sixes." And like three of my friends were like, "I've got a place that a Ren and Six I'm not using. You can use them." Um, and that you know for him, he and he's a very vast collection, but that's five hundred dollars. He doesn't have to worry about right now. Yeah, yeah, um, and he trusts you enough to be able to play them. Yeah, to borrow them. Yeah, so. If you, for example, like if you want to play some Yawgmaw, right? Um, Yawgmaw, interesting deck, and once again, like I have a Hapatra ED, which actually plays Yawgmaw in it, right? A lot of triggers, a lot of interactions, little counters, and little neat plays. If that's the deck you want to play, then see how much of that deck you can actually borrow from friends and how much you actually need to invest yourself. Because, you know, if you already own the Vernon Catacombs, then. You know, maybe you just need to pick up the overgrown tombs, and you need to pick up the grist and things like that. And if your opponent, if your friend has the Yawgmoth already, that's that's two hundred less bucks. The deck now it goes from eight hundred bucks to six hundred bucks. And if you already once again have the um, Vernon Catacombs, now instead of bucks, it's only five twenty, and it, it just keeps going down from there. And you know, the commons and uncommons obviously are gonna uh, you're gonna be able to pick up pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what I always recommend people do. Something in I'm, I'm kind of thinking of other decks that people have been playing. Uh, Blue White Hammer is another deck, um, kind of expensive. You try to pick out the stuff that is five bucks and less. The things you can't really play without, like yeah. for example, if you're going to play Hammer Time, like you you need the Sagardas Aids, you need the Colossus Hammers with the kind of non-negotiables. Um, 
but you can play with some other cards, you know, in lieu of some other cards for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, you can play a deck with like, you know, maybe you only have one, um, the Stoneforge Mystic, right? Expensive card. You can probably get away with playing one or two for a little bit. And then as you play the deck, um, over the next couple of months, maybe you pick up the second, the third, the fourth, um, and then you work on, move on to the next thing. Um, and if you're hopefully planning on playing like a, a larger event, you can obviously just borrow, you know, borrow, try to borrow those cards from people. Um, that's always an option there too. But um, I always like to try to work on the things that are kind of non-negotiables for the deck. Like, am I am I interested in playing um, Tron, for example, if I can't actually cast Karn Liberated and Karn the Great Creator? Probably not. So I'm probably just not going to play that deck until... Makes um, sense. And I think, you know, it, but there are some cheaper options, too, if, if you want to. Like, um, there's a couple decks like uh, Bliving End, for example. I've got a friend who, <laughs> just to shout him out, he's got a foil version of Living End, and then he's got a non-foil for friends who are interested in playing Living End. It, that's a legacy God. deck, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, Living End. That, no, that it's a modern deck. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, they end up playing, it's like a, I guess a four-color version now. They're playing uh, Violent Outburst, and they're playing mm, okay. uh, Shortless Agent to try to get Living End, but they're playing a bunch of cyclers. Um, the deck is actually pretty cheap. The big thing that they're really adding to the price is the Force Indications. Yeah. So, mm. if you don't play Force Negation, um, and I can... That's not the end-all, be-all, like, if you can't afford the Force Negations at first, right? No, you know, you can play, you definitely play it without. Um, but the Force Negations, like, the deck itself actually costs, like, 800 bucks, and the Force Negations are 300 bucks of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's most of the deck, so... Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, so, so another question, just talking about price here, and hmm. so what I used to do in Legacy, um... So, like, in my Legacy Elves deck, I was fortunate enough to be able to get my four guys' cradles for $150 apiece at the time. Fantastic. And, and that that was before they even shot up to $300 apiece. Because, mm. like, shortly after I bought them, it was like, oh, now they're $200, $250, $300. And now they're, like, what, a grand apiece or something like that? Or, or... Yeah, I think, my, I think my buddy picked up one, I think, <laughs> want to say for $650. Jesus, um, like a pretty, pretty, pretty beat one. <laughs> So damn, um, yeah. it went down at least. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. so what I or what I was always told, and what I've told other people too, like, um, you know, I, I guess depending on how competitive your legacy meta is, it's you shocklands. Oh know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're 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 not the best, and yeah, taking two damage sucks, especially if you're going up against something like mono red burn or, you know, but I mean shit you can still play your deck yeah and that's that's a huge thing too like you know i'm i i am fortunate enough i'm going to preface this with um the eternal weekend winnings i basically just spent to finish up my my play set of uh volcanic islands yeah so i i now own the whole deck in paper because i bought four rag of and be like yeah i finally own four rag of it and it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that feels bad. You'll be able to uh, soon put them in four EDH decks. <laughs> yeah, that's because it's, it's probably going to be yeah. banned in modern, won't it? <laughs> I think it's going to get banned in modern. I think I think it's just a matter of time. I think yeah. in in modern, I think it's very easily the best thing you can be doing, and I just don't think people realize it yet because the power level isn't as high. Um, and I think without days and force of will, people are kind of like lying to themselves right now. But they're going to pick it up really quickly. It's it's still the yeah. best thing you can be doing. Um, but like, if you are playing, you know, if you want to play the best version of Blue Red Delver, 
uh, you it has four volcanic islands. And once again, the deck itself is pretty expensive. But if you knock off the three grand you get from from uh, volcanic islands, the deck is now the 1200 1300 bucks um it's still a lot it's still a lot but like you know when i but but that that, that is manageable in the long run right yeah so so is legacy sorry what were you gonna say um you know my my big thing is like if you can borrow the volcanic islands borrow the fourth of wills um the deck that's the other one right but then the deck's 800 bucks and then the rest of the deck is just basically bad. the same thing as a modern deck. Yeah, how uh, much it's Force of Will nowadays? Force oh, of it's will, still like can, about a hundred bucks on top. Hundred bucks, yeah. You can find them for like seventy-five. Um, I picked one up from uh, my friend Calvin for seventy, I think. Um, so it's about the yeah, same it, price as it's been for a while. Then, yeah, seems like it's fluctuated yeah. up and down, but not too crazy. The, the downside with Force of Will especially is because it's a blue deck and because EDH exists, um, you it's always going to get vacuumed into the deck. Like I, I literally bought a Force of Will to put in my Tassiger EDH deck. It, it just lives there now, so I have five, five Force of Wills, and I, I'm pretty like I'm, I think I'm going to build uh, like Teamer Malcolm, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick up another Force of Will for that too. Oh so, yeah, I've got Force of Will in two decks: my Grand Arbiter and a Crufix. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. good when it's when you have it, but mm-hmm. okay. But yeah, I mean, once once again, once you can knock out that stuff, like the blue red um, Delver deck in Legacy, like the most expensive thing past that is Force Negation. If you play that, like I my current build has like two in the sideboard, but you don't need to play that card um, if you already own all the fetch lands. Which and, you know, and you fetch lands those, are way cheaper now. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I play like two of each of the blue ones, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Skull's turn right now. It's like, what, like 25 bucks or something like that. Maybe 28 yeah. bucks. Um, you can, you can get away with just playing four copies of Scalding Tarn, four copies of, um, you know, Misty Rainforest. And that's instead of being a bunch of money, cause Pollute Delta and Flood Strand are actually kind of expensive right now. Yeah. It, um, it's funny how that works. Cause those were, super cheap when cons was around and I, yeah. I i did have a play set of all of them at the time before i sold them all but damn yeah i'm looking at pluto delta right now it's almost 50 bucks a pop like yep but yeah, i mean it's not the worst but i'd, I'd rather no. go for the zendikar ones now if i were to go mm-hmm. for any picking pick up any play sets yeah and like well yeah. if you play if you decide you want to play Four Scalding Tarns, four Misty Rainforest. That's your eight fetches that you normally play in Delverin. Um, if you want to, and this is something that I kind of recommend too, like, like don't just don't even worry about the Volcanic Islands. Just play Basic Island, Basic uh, Basic Mountain. There's an advantage to that in the format, right? Because like, you're playing Wasteland, your opponent can't Wasteland. You're you're you off mana. That's true. Yeah. Some situation is awkward, but like, you know, t- you play three islands, one mountain, and two steam vents. You're probably going to be fine in. 95 percent of games yeah. um and and then you can start leveraging some other things like force negations in your sideboard that are 70 dollars play a price of progress which now plays really well with your basic lands that you're playing and your opponent's playing those volcanic islands that cost 700 bucks and now they take two damage because of that yeah <laughs> like and, and like i said too like you know you're talking about the the 
eight mulch deck, right, in Legacy, like, they're going to drop seven lands that play on turn two. Now they're going to take 14 damage on turn two. Um, like, there's definitely some upsides to, to making these changes. You just have to kind of be intentional with it. Um, and kind of, once again, try to figure out what you can and can't work without. I think I think Force of Will is the one that you kind of have to play Force of Will. Um, either Otherwise, the format kind of gets out of hand. Yeah, uh, for you. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's why I avoided um any kind of blue decks in Legacy because I knew at the time you'd have to have Force of Will. Like without it, you're just gimping yourself really yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, my my thought too is like I really like in this. Uh, I I have not played this deck. I actually took it apart because it, it annoyed me to no end because I always felt bad. I used to play like a Teshar um, EDH deck. Mm-hmm. And you know it was like trigger, trigger, trigger. Bring this back from the graveyard. Flip this back. Trigger, trigger. I'm gonna grit this two drop. And like I really like triggering things. Delver does that for me, where I get to trigger a bunch of things mm-hmm. and shuffle a bunch of cards. Um, and you know now that I, I realize like that that style of deck, I just I own my fourth of wills. And now the next time I want to jump into another blue deck, I can I already have the fourth of wills already done. Um, so if I were to put, build another deck, I'm very close to building sneak and show. Like I, I have to pick up. Um, like, like two more show and tells, and I have to pick up mm-hmm. like the place of Emrakuls, which are kind of expensive. Um, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> um, but like the next time there's a Grixis deck um, or a, a Teamer deck that I want to play, I'm most of the way there. Like I already own uh, my Volcanic Islands. I already own a a Tropical Island. Like I, I maybe yeah. need one more Trop. But now I'm pretty close to there. And that's the thing, too. Like, once you kind of figure out what your wedge is um, in kind of any format, right? But um, especially in Legacy. Um, but I think even in Modern, you get some flexibility there. Like, I own my <laughs> Shadow List, um, which I, I like the deck. I'm not going to put it down anytime soon. But, like, I'm also, from there, I can very easily build Blue Red Murktide if I want to. Um, and I also can kind of go the opposite way where. I have my thought seasons already. So like when I start looking at, you know, a deck, something like um, Dredge, and it's kind of a weird, weird pivot here, but like I already own the sideboard thought seasons that I would need for, for that deck too. And you just start to pick up more stuff. And I, I think we talked about this before the show. Like I, I like having like three decks that I can mm-hmm. kind of rotate between yeah. um, just because it allows you to not have to worry about everything. And, format you can just say well and you don't get bored either you don't get bored yeah um you know so i i own uh murktide i own shadow which are kind of similar decks but i also own dredge um actually own uh mono red like boros aggro i don't play that deck very often anymore though it's kind of kind of grown i've grown bored of it unfortunately but um it happens yeah, but the one I, I still am playing is Collective Company, which I, I think is not oh, a popular choice. I love that card. It's dude, dude, like dude healing Ballista and Devoted Druid and dude. dude when that. that card came out first, I tried to make Collective Company work in Standard, and this was mm-hmm. before Battle for Zendikar, like before you had um like Reflector Mage coming out <sighs> and um. <Yeah. laughs> I, I know there's other cards from the Collective Company deck, but, mm-hmm. um, but dude, th- that card was the reason why I pretty much got into Modern, because then I started seeing Modern Elves list with yeah. Collective Company, and just, oh, I loved it. 
Yeah, that and that's that's one of those cards too. Like once you once you own that collecting company, it's like, well, I already own this card for the deck. I already own fetches, so like, how much more do I need? Like, it's not too much. And the, I think a lot of people ended up doing that where they found themselves playing um, like the modern humans list. I was playing collecting company for a while. Oh um, yeah, 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 modern humans. Is that still a deck? Um, you can play it. It's not as popular as it used to be, but I think that's one of those decks. I think people kind of forget that it's an option, but I think it is playable. Um, I think as long as you're talking about mid-range creature decks, most people will try to lean towards the um, Yawgmaw deck just because it has a little bit more interaction and play. Um, the human deck is a little more aggressive, but I do think you have really good hate options there. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's a, a deck that people don't respect enough rather than one that's not playable in the court for, current format. Dude, speaking of modern humans, I remember... One GP, I can't remember if it was like Orlando, Atlanta, or Dallas. I was playing a modern side event. I brought Grixis Delver with me and um, yeah. playing against modern humans. And I got them, I pretty much made them rage quit in game two. And then they just quit because I, I think they beat me game one. And then, of course, with, um, you know, Grixis Delver, it's, it, it's more of a reactive deck, right? You're not being very yeah. proactive. But the... I guess the list at the time didn't play any basic lands. It was all non-basics. So, of course, what do I sideboard in? Blood Moon. And then I try to, like, slap down turn two, turn three, Blood Moon. And and he didn't have any creatures. He had, like, one or two creatures out, but I kept unbolting them and all that. Yeah. And play Blood Moon, and he just gives me this look of, like, I want to kill you and just quits. <laughs> just... <laughs> and I'm all like... Oh, what do you want me to do? I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate strategy. <laughs> Don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just. God, that that is one thing I do not miss with competitive formats. Like, there's times I still yeah. miss competitive magic, but dude, the amount of salty players just mm-hmm. out there. I mean, I I think we've all been there. Like, we've all gotten salty in some way or shape or form of another. Like, yeah. where because you know, and it's always been more of. When I've gotten salty in the past, it's more of why the fuck is my deck not working? Not really more about what they're doing, right? Because what they're doing is just trying to win too. It's just when your deck just, oh, look, it's the 10th land in a row, no matter how many times I've shuffled, you know, and it's, it happens. But dude, I do not miss the rules lawyering. Mm -hmm. I do not miss um, just people getting pissed off and throwing decks across the room. I'm like, God, come on. You're a fucking yeah. grown up, all right? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of that's that is the one thing I get to experience a lot more than I would like. Uh Magic Online I think for me has been really nice just because I literally just mute the chat. Like I just if if they start yeah. getting off any kind of petrol, I'm just like, nah, we're we're done with this. Um But, you know, in in person I've had people gosh, I've had people try to lie to a judge in front of my face about things that I said. I've had people oh, pisses me um, off, man. Yeah, I, I had I had somebody who like I won a I won a match and they were just like I you know obviously they have a like a slight uh, list and they were just making fun of the, my list to my face and was like, Are you kidding? You know, like that was like like what are we doing here? Like you're a, theoretically an adult and like that this how we're gonna interact. That's cool. Um and, you know and obviously you know people just like nasty stuff you know when they get mad and um it that's one of those things i I don't i don't miss but i think 
ideally, right? Like, in especially locally, uh, enough people know me locally, know who I am, or enough mm-hmm. that they're not going to they're going to say that they're not going to say to my face. They're not going to say to people around me because a lot of people, at least I have positive interactions with, and I'm relatively well liked in my community too. So people, yeah, like, yeah, you're why Billy's fine. You need to back off. You're you're out. Of- Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, that's, I remember the same shit, like, when I used to go into LGS, like, there was that core group of people that were always good, like, yeah, there were times where some of us were more competitive than others, but then you'd get, dude, I can remember so many FNMs where you'd get some of the assholes that just took it way too seriously, like, I mean, it's like, Mm. dude, we're FNM here, it's not, it's not comp REL rules, and, you know, I made a slight mistake, you know, and you're not going to let me take it back. And, you know, and it's not like a kind of mistake where I would have won had I, you know, yeah. done thing. And we've all done that shit, you know, like, hey, can I take this back? Because I meant to do this instead, you know. Yeah. Yeah, my thing, but, actually, this happened to me last, oh, on Saturday, actually. I, we, I played a pop tournament on Saturday. And, like, my friend cast a spell that, in the, I'm playing, like, a, a deck with power spells, right? So if it resolves, it's he wants black man. He's a pestilence. He's, he has some pestilence here. Mm-hmm. So if he if it resolves, he wants the mana. He wants the black mana. But if it doesn't resolve, he wants white mana. So it resolves, and he's like, "Oh, do you mind if I retap?" I was like, "I actually do mind." <laughs> really sorry. He's like, "Oh, no, I guess I guess that makes sense actually." Yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, don't don't be a jerk. But uh, one of the things too, and like this is. It, this you probably get this all the time too. It's like you you have a name associated with you, and there's a an, an allure, right? Like people, especially I imagine when people play you know EDH with you, they they want to beat you, right? Because they want to be able to say this guy on a stream when I beat him. It's like oh, oh okay, god, cool. that ha- that when I streamed way more EDH, that happened all the fucking time. Like yeah. I'm like. Ha- m- m- most times I just don't give a shit. I'm like, okay, no, <laughs> like I'm here to have a good time. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not, not the pro tour. Like I've, I've been the pro tour before that did not go well. I like, I, was oh, dude, I, can't only imagine. <laughs> I got, I got, I went just for, for everyone interested. I played pro tour guild of Ravnica. Nice man. Um, I had a panic attack in my draft, and if it weren't for Shahar Shenhar, I would have like absolutely like had been been excused. Like, he's a oh, he's a shit. very nice guy. Um, but yeah, full panic attack in round one. Or, Dude, I can only imagine. Draft. Like that's friggin' insane. It, it, it was a dream I've had since I was like eleven years old, finally coming true. And uh, I'm just like, what do I do with the pack? Like I just don't know. Like, I drafted <laughs> plenty of times. I've done plenty yeah, of time drafts. Yeah. I just didn't know what to do in that moment. He, and he's like. You need, to, you need to flip your card over. I was like, oh, thank God. No. Okay, okay. Shahar's, Shahar's here for me. I got it. Um, <laughs> and I got through that draft okay. Dude, that's like, awesome, though. Yeah, sh- sh- that was... This This is a, a weird story, but, like, my wife is, um, is, is Jewish. So mm-hmm. when we were... She saw the um, Israel flag on Shahar Shahar's name when he won the first world championship yeah so she's yeah. like oh cool that's that's my guy i was like all right that's your guy honey so like a year later when he went to the second one i'm like your guy won and she's like who's this and i was like shahar shahar she's like i love shahar shahar like, yeah. <laughs> um so when i'm like recapping the pro tour i was like yeah i had a tech and the table really you know really helped me oh it was shahar and she's like wait it was shahar shahar like it was she's like what are the odds? I'm like, you're very slim. <laughs> uh, so I, Dude, I that's awesome. 
Yeah, it's really, it, he's a really good guy. So I was glad I got to meet him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if when you have any kind of prestige with you too, and this happened literally that because like, I won Eternal Weekend in, um, I guess it was November or October, right? Whatever, recently. Okay. Uh, I went. I went to an event and you know I, I played my first round and you know I'm shuffling up for round one and my opponent's like congrats on winning eternal weekend that's really that's really cool it's like yeah I thought, thanks that's yeah i appreciate it okay and like we we play round one and you know he makes a mistake not a, it's not a big deal it's fine it's like, oh, god i gotta i gotta play tighter if i want to be be the champion it's like don't don't do that oh, <laughs> damn that's so <laughs> awkward yeah because like you're putting yeah. a lot of pressure on you you're putting a lot of pressure on me like i and once again, like, I think a lot of those, you know, I put a lot of effort into that event and I, I did, I did really well. Things, a lot of lucky, lucky things went my way. Um, but like there, I'm, I'm still the 1000th best per- person on Magic Online. Like there are yeah. people who are crushing week in and week out doing much more consistent results. Um, and, you know, I like, I'm not playing to defend some title that like, I don't get an artificial belt that I have to carry around. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I, I'm just here to play. And I think, you know, when you start to enjoy the magic like that, you know, from, and that's the reason why most people play, right? They play it because you enjoy the game. If you didn't enjoy the game, you wouldn't be playing. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to not have that that kind of artificial pressure. And I think when it comes to, especially EDH games, like, um, I definitely want to win, but I definitely want to have fun too. And, you know, I, I had a game on Saturday, actually, playing EDH. I got to cast a... Turn to Doomsday out of my Tassiger deck. <laughs> oh, damn. And then I proceeded to lose because my opponent um, cast a Time Spiral. And I <laughs> didn't oh, have enough cards. Oh, damn. Like, but that's that's the fun part. Yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm yeah. excited for. That's what's fun. Um, dude, so, so I originally started this podcast to try to chronicle my journeys of going from like the casual player to the more competitive obviously it's changed now but speaking of edh um i so i remember when i first started really getting into edh because you know before i'd be pretty casual about it i had like two decks maybe you know like crufix and omnath like locus of rage um which i still have them um but Dude, I just remember the thing that would annoy me the most about EDH players back then, um, the lack of understanding how to play the game would drive me insane. Like, And I'm sure you know exactly where I'm going with this is just, you know, the priority passing, the stack. Yeah. Like, no one understood the stack at all where you'd get some players be like, all right, I'm going to play a land, I'm going to tap, I'm going to play this spell, then right after that I'm going to play this as well. And I'm all like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. And, and you know, they're trying to do it all fast and all that stuff. And because that's at, at the time, a lot of EDH players played that way, right? They just played fast mm-hmm. and loose, and no one really gave a shit about the rules. But, you know, here comes Mr. I'm a stickler for the rules where I'm like, okay, hold on. I want to see what you're playing because if you're going to try to do some infinite bullshit, <laughs> I'm going to stop it, you know? Yeah. And, but, and oh. Especially now, too, there's a lot of like, you know, between like risk study. And smothering tithe and mystic remora. Like there's a lot of things where like I got a trigger. Give me a second. Let me yeah. let me draw my card. Are you paying the one? Like let me let me see what happens. Because like once again, if you're gonna cast a, uh, you know, arcane signet, 
fine. I actually don't care about that. You're going to catch the lurking predator. We're going to have a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, oh, yeah, I think, man. and that is, that's the one thing too. I, this kind of go back a ways, but like having standard being the, a good format, a good healthy format, that's the cheap option for people to jump into. Allow people to find a way to play the rule, uh, learn the rules, um, hopefully at the FNM level, try to understand how things work. So when they do go back to play their, F, um, their, you know, commander games, right? They're like, okay, well, I'm playing this on your turn. So when I cast this spell, you get priority again, mm-hmm. and then I'm second, and then third. So, but like, that's one of those things that too that doesn't come up when you're first learning the rules because, like, who knows? Like, I, I counter, oh, yeah. I counter spell. It's just countered now, right? We're done. Like, unless you have a counter spell for it, like you have a basic understanding of the rules, but like, especially in you know EDH, like you have like. Uh, like I think it's called like priority bullying. I think they call it. Yeah. But like, like that comes up a lot, and it's actually strategic. Um, even like positioning in EDH, where it's like, okay, well, I have a counter spell, but also I'm fourth in this order, so like I'm gonna wait till everyone's done, and <laughs> hopefully someone will counter before me or someone will exactly, use a removal exactly, spell. Yeah. Like that is one of those things too. Like once you kind of grow a little bit, you know, playing Magic, you eventually understand. But you, you need a, an opportunity for people to jump into format and or jump into Magic competitively and figure that out. And I think Standard should be that avenue where it's a cheap option. You can play that $200 deck and it's a top tier option, but you can understand the rules at a, hopefully a higher and higher level playing from those casual FM events up to those competitive, you know, PPTQs. I, I really miss PPTQs. But. So do I, man. PPTQs <laughs> and IQs. Like, those were some of my uh-huh. favorite weekends. Um, you know, speaking of that, that that's something that I remember always recommending to newer players. Like, you know, diving into EDH first is so hard, I, I feel like, for brand new players. Because not just the card pool, but also mm-hmm. the, the multiplayer format with four players in a pod is just so hard to keep track of. Like, with the interactions, the mm-hmm. the priority passing, the, the stack. Um, dude, dude, there's even... Even today, I get confused on how certain interactions go with cards, and I, I think that's just, maybe that's with age, and maybe that's because I'm not playing competitive anymore, because um, mm-hmm. I don't really pay much attention to how stuff and inter- you know what I mean, like especially newer yeah. mechanics. Like I still get confused by mutate at some points, yeah. like like how it interacts with certain other effects. Um, but 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 anyways, I digress. Um, but one of the things I always recommended was either standard or definitely if you have and this is if you have a really good LGS draft as well too. Yeah, draft taught me so much more than standard in terms of rules interactions because draft had one. It taught me way more like how to build decks. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe I'm not I'm not the best brewer, but at least if I look at a list, I can make. I learned how to. I learned how to build decks in draft, which helped me translate that to standard. It helped me learn to especially like sideboard stuff and tweak decks and all that stuff and um definitely helped me learn rules interactions and standard as well too is a great platform where especially if it's cheap enough to where even if you can get away with like a 50 dollar deck or even the challenger decks now like i wish they had yeah. those when i was playing standard a lot because those are the perfect kind of deck for a brand new player to just get in there and play is it going to be the best no but you know it's good enough to be able to at least hold your own a little bit yeah, I think draft is a really good thing too that you don't see in 
a lot of constricted formats is that it it is very combat focused mm-hmm. and when you start looking at you're seeing this a lot in like pioneer and like I, I play uh blue red phoenix and pioneer and there's a number of games where i attack one time and then you never get another turn like it's um so yeah. like i'm never i'm never blocking with my like phoenixes i'm going to cast three spells cast a time warp attack you for nine i'm going to untap attack you for nine again and then i'm going it's going to you know finish you off with some other spell maybe another time warp or you know, yeah. turn right but like you don't deal with a lot of combat math either because of the deck you're playing or the deck you're especially in pioneer they played um what's that lotus field combo right that okay. doesn't actually go into it doesn't actually enter combat it just kills you with Thassa's oracle so oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah so like that's that's one of those things where like if that's your entry point into into magic it's like i don't actually know how to do combat map like i don't know if i should be attacking here like do i attack my my three three into your two two your two twos am i worried about removal spells but i think limited always does a good job of saying like you have to attack to win this game like yeah and, and it teaches you also about the mechanics too like first strike double strike trample haste you know mm-hmm. as easy as those for you and me to understand for new players it's that that's huge for them knowing like okay i've got two creatures but they've got a first striker on the other Mm. side you know do i go and attack right now you know what's the benefit and what's the drawback what's the you know what what's the advantage of me doing this and that that's also really helps in draft too because sometimes being new to constructed formats you don't always see that advantage like with i feel like with draft sealed it's a little bit easier to see the advantage of you doing stuff if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i think so. i think so for sure like uh, the, a lot of the game that you're playing is on the battlefield as opposed yeah. to in your hand which i think is huge um and when you start looking at you know limited removal spells and i think that's another thing you start to see in draft as opposed to constructed where you can have the number you want like how do i win this game with my only evasive creatures being four tutus like i have Four two twos. I have no other way. Like, but like, maybe I maybe I need to draft a zero seven. Uh, maybe this one six is actually going to be something I need to kind of prioritize a little more higher. Yeah. Um, and now I get to formulate this kind of control plan where you know the only creature I care about actually saving it are my evasive flyers because that's how I'm going to win this game. I, I need to kill them um, in the air. Um, and once again, now you're playing, you know, commons and uncommons, but you're playing a control. You know. Yeah. As opposed to playing some aggro deck that you could play, you know, in the Boris colors where, you know, I'm going to just jam at how many four power, one toughness creatures in my deck as I can, and I want to run over my opponent, eventually. Um, and oh, and if yeah. every removal spell I'm going to go is not for the 2 2s, I'm going to save my removal spells for those 07. That's the only thing I care about getting out of the board. Um, that's what that's one of those things, too. It just, like, it changes the way you think about, about magic because, once again, I think when you have so much agency over how you want to play you get into this mindset about how games should go but i think limited is so so humbling because you you very much and you obviously you can you know force it a color combination or strategy if you really want mm-hmm. to but it's not going to go well for you nine times out of ten um yeah and everybody starts on the same playing field too everyone's opening yeah. the same trash commons and uncommons you're getting 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's always going to be the one person that opens up that bomb rare and you're going to be sure. like, well, fuck, why didn't I open up the foil Tarmogoyf and instead choose chain lightning? But I needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's a throwback yeah. right there. Yeah, I know that the one uh, the first PPTQ that I won was sealed. And I won because I opened not uh, I, I won because I had superior play and obviously, yeah. you know, but the main reason I won is because I opened that the dragon that had um, uh, what was it called? Um, what set was this? It, it was Amonkhet, uh, Glorybringer. Yeah, glo- oh, I love Glorybringer, <laughs> man, dude. That that guy was my fucking jam and standard. Yeah, I, so I had it in my sealed pool in the in that part, and I was like, that's pretty good. And I actually we we kind of talked about this before, where you open a card and you're like, now I'm playing this now, and. <laughs> I was like, I think I, I think I have a pretty good like red, black blue list, and I could probably you know play some. Oh no, got a yeah. Glorybringer. We're gonna make this work. Yeah, you have to you have to play it now. Yeah, and when I opened did the draft, it was the first card I opened in the draft. So and like I usually like I just I have ADD and it's problematic at points, but so I'm like shuffling the cards uh, as I'm doing the draft, and the one I open, start the draft with is my Glorybringer. I was like, okay, well we got a plan now, so we're gonna I just like forced red in. And pack one. Sometimes you can um, get away it, with it, yeah. Because dude, dude yeah. red was really good and limited in Amonkhet. Mm. Yeah, I ended up like a, a red white uh, yeah, list that had like a so bunch good. of. So I mean, like that's the strategy. I like to. Yeah. Um, and just being able to do that along with like the was it the I forget what the card was called um, the initiate. It was like a one three that like would get. Um, what was it? Like, what was the mechanic it, called in that set? Exert. Exert, yeah, it would exert and get like plus one, plus three, so yeah, like, four, yeah. four, like, oh, so that that was all I did. I just attacked and like my opponent's like, man, you have a glory bringer. It's like, yep, I do, dude. Oh man, dude, that that reminds me when I did um, hour of devastation sealed like pre-release weekend, and mm-hmm. I went four and zero or three and zero. I can't remember how many rounds, but. My pool was literal garbage compared to like everybody around me. I, I hear people saying like, "Oh, I opened up Nicobolus. Oh, I got two Nicoboluses here," or yeah. you know, "I got Scarab God and Locust God," and I'm oh, all gosh. like, "And I'm all like, oh, I've got um, oh fuck, it was the White Angel that you could make it tap tap your opponent's creatures or something." Um, oh, um. It was only ever good in limited, like ever. It was never seen play in standard. Um, I don't know yeah. if you know which one I'm talking about, but I do. Um, I play I played in Hapach, not Hapacha. I played in. Uh, um, oh gosh, what's that card called? Is it the one that it. like it taps it, but then it also like can it exile stuff? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it may, maybe it's an Amonkhet card, but because I think at the time, Hour of Devastation came with Hour of Devastation and Amonkhet cards. Yeah. Right. I think so. Oh, Angel of Condemnation. That's what it was. Yeah. You exile uh, another yeah. target creature, return yeah. that card to battle under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So mm. I, that I would do that, you know, to open up the board with blockers, but that was like the only good card I had. So I built some red, white bullshit, but. But like you said, it was all due to good play, and I always killed them fast enough to where they couldn't play their nickel bolus. You know, their what seven or eight drop nickel bolus, however much it was yeah. at the time. And but, dude, it, it that that's one thing I love with limited is like I said, even playing field. Like I said, you could open up the worst trash, but if that trash coalesces 
with each other, you're gonna fucking and if you're good enough, you're gonna win. You know. Yeah. Yeah. My, my buddy, he li- lives in. I want to say Hong Kong, but it might be. Um, my friend Jason was always in. He was the guy at the at our local store. He was just always. 3 the local draft. He would always 4 pre-releases. And I'm like, I just don't understand how you're this good at limited. And you start watching him play, and he's just like, I got this. I'm going to play this to the best of my ability. And you're like, oh, yeah, you have a plan. Like, you you actually have a strategy going into this, as opposed to me, who's just playing cards at random. This makes a lot more sense. Than, yeah. yeah. Um, he was, he's you know, a big, um, plays Dredge in Vintage and Legacy, but um, even playing even playing those decks, like, he in the ones and this is before the Mulligan rules changed, but like he played Dredge with the intention where he's like, I'm gonna keep shuffling until I find Bizarre, and I'm gonna even if I have Bizarre, if I don't have something to deal with um, a cage in this matchup or a Tormod script in that matchup or something, I'm I'm gonna ship it back. Like just having one Bizarre is not gonna be good enough. So I need two Bizarres or I need, and like you like watching a mulligan hand, you're like, I don't understand what you're trying to, t- oh, oh no, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And they like, Wasteland you. Okay, cool, second Bizarre, try this again. And you're like, oh gosh. Dude, you're making me uh, miss competitive magic, man. It's friggin', <laughs> it, it, it's, if it wasn't for the magic players, I'd probably still be playing. <laughs> fucking magic players, man, just. It's, uh, it's a, a unfortunately a necessary part of magic. I know. Um, I know. Like, like it's great when you have a great LGS is what I used to have, right? Yeah. But then it's it, it just like most things. I mean, you get a few toxic people that start taking over there, and you're just like, it kills it for you. I mean, y- you know exactly probably what I mean. Like toxic competitive players, just toxic players in general, where. I, I don't know. It's hard to describe without you, you know, actually being there, seeing the toxicity of just how bad LGSs can be. I mean, shit, let alone the fucking smell, too. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing my my local stores, like all of them do, is that they, they do have, like, the the health... I don't know, I forget what they actually call it. Like, if you if you smell bad, they, they just kick you out. Which I Good. have always appreciated. I think it's yeah. highly underrated. Um, but they do a good job with that. But my, they also do a good job too. Like they kind of understood pretty quickly. Um, like my like also universes, for example. Um, I, I'm going to just name drop some people here. Um, we have I'm going to say like five people who have been on the pro tour who have top eighted a GP are local, and it's not a, it's not a huge. There are some other stories that are like very massive, right? Yeah, this story is kind of a ground roots place but like you end up having um and then we have one person who played the mocks uh we have five people who top eight of gps um like uh, we have two people who have won eternal weekend like we have a lot of people who just like in even regularly too like um there's a, a an adjacent store that you have the people who put for vintage that, that's a big vintage store um you know, you, you'll have people five or six of the past 10 years, the vintage champion is is just a person who plays the store. That's awesome. Um, so, but like the big thing is you're looking at um, to the store um, after my, my previous one had closed down and, you know, I'm, I'm a new player and no one picks on you because we don't, we don't pick up the new people here. 
Um, uh, Ethan Gajewski, who was a, a really big player on the Star City circuit, you know, before things started shutting down, was a at one point a ten-year-old, twelve-year-old kid who wanted to play Magic, and he came to the store. He met people who made him better. He eventually made it to the highest level of the SCG tour. Um, he got the opportunity to actually go to Japan and learn Japan and can now interact with Japanese players. Like Magic is a really good avenue for people to learn a lot of things. And if yeah. you are the the store that says, nah, we don't like new people here. You're like we, we already have a thing we're doing. We don't need you. Like you, you kill that for your store. And I think I don't people understand that long-term, what a big detriment that is. Cause you know, you can be mean to the new player now, but you're not going to have someone to test with. You're not going to have people to have your draft or your fire. No one's going to really want to go to that PPTQ at your store. Eventually, you stop having PPTQ, and you don't. Then you're not a premier level store. Instead, you're a store that doesn't get the cool promos that everyone else at their store. Now you don't even want to go to that. They don't get the cool promos, and then eventually your G- yes, LGS is closing. That's exactly um, what's happening to this LGS that's over by me. They have like a huge play space too. Had used to have so many people. I mean, when I when I stopped playing Magic, pretty much altogether except for EDH, I would just go there for D and D nights. Um, but now it's, I mean, yeah, COVID definitely didn't help. But when he started opening back up, and plus it's Florida, so he opened back up pretty early. Um, it, it's it, it's pretty much all but dead now. Like no one goes there to play any events because one bunch of assholes got in there and two the store owner did nothing about it that's another thing the yeah. store owner needs to take be very proactive to like shut that shit out just yeah and like how many how much how much money is it worth how much money does it have somebody to be spending that they are the rest of your clientele right you know what i mean like I, you would rather have one person spending five grand than a hundred people spending 50 bucks every two months for the next 10 years. Right? And, that's, right. the, and, and those hundred people go word of mouth, get more people and you know, shit gets bigger. But dude, it's like, it's one of the reasons why. So I wish I had, um, so cool stuff Inc down in Tampa, um, cool stuff games. I mean, uh, that has been one of the best LGS experiences I've had just here in Florida. Um, not sponsored by Cool Stuff Games or anything, but just Cool Stuff Games. Like every time I've been to that LGS down in Tampa, just holy shit, so fucking nice. Some of the best people there. They, the 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 people who work there are not afraid to shut people down and kick them out, which I fucking love. Like we need more of that for store owners to just be like, oh, you're gonna be an asshole, get out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the a community is, and you see this on Twitch, you see this on Discord. Like, you need to curate a community. You you cannot just yeah. let them grow wild. It's growing wild, they you get viruses and you get you know, things that get out of control very quickly. And like once again, it it only takes one comment, it takes one bad interaction for like I'm I'm never subjecting yeah. myself to this, and you don't want that because once again, if you and that's the other thing too. If you say, you know, you come into a store and you have somebody say, like, I hate when, uh, like, I hate when, I hate when kids come here. Then the kids are going to stop coming. And yeah. you know, it's like, it's like I can't believe I lost a girl. Oh my gosh, unbelievable. Oh, okay, God. then I'm not. 
I'm not going here. I'm not. Like, my girlfriend wants to come play F and M. I'm like, I don't know. Jonathan might be there. Jonathan's kind of a jerk. I don't know. I, I don't want to go. That's yeah. Fine. Oh, oh, dude, dude, a freaking bad interaction. Because my, I, I managed to get my wife to go to a game day after because we used to play magic you know at home a bunch of times and finally convince her to go to a game day which my lgs at the time held it for free you know you get free booster packs just this was during Great. born of the gods or journey into next one of them and um and managed to get her to go she had one bad interaction because some dude just was being a jerk to her and she's like let's fucking leave before i flip my shit and she stopped playing magic altogether because of that one interaction and it's like i was pissed and all yeah. that but and, and i also didn't want to cause a scene and also get kicked out and sure. you know but like how, how different is that interaction if if you know that's happening and the store owner comes over and, john out i am so sorry i i can't believe that happened he yeah. never i'm never again i'm very sorry about that um just tell me what happened Here's a soda just explain to me what happened and oh yeah that, that would have changed everything my wife would have been you know she may still be playing. <laughs> Shit. Well, and that's how a lot of things happen. I mean, like, you know, if you... I've had a lot of bad interactions that have just been smoothed over because someone said, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Tell me what happened. And, you know, I hope to see you again soon. And that's that's all I need. I just need to know confirmation that this was unacceptable, that this is going to be changed in the future. And as long as it changes in the future, I'm cool. Dude, I, game <laughs> store employees make all the difference, too. When I went to my second GP up in Atlanta, my buddy and I, um, we stopped at a place called Gigabytes Cafe up in Atlanta. And holy shit, it was like, it, it, it's like the, the, the game store employees knew we were completely new to the place because, you know, they, they had, you know, those always core group of people that are always there. And dude, the game store employees were like catering to us, you know. Because we were like, hey, we're out of town. We're only going to be here, like, for tonight. You don't have to. But but with them being that nice, like, I ended up buying a whole bunch of singles. Um, everybody in the game, like, we played a few games of EDH, and everybody was, like, super nice and welcome. And, like, and I've talked nothing but great things about that store ever since. And just I recommend it to anybody going up to Atlanta. Like, I hope it's still the same. That was, like, three, four years ago. But, see... I, I, you're right. That makes all the difference where if, if an employee spoke up or, you know, cause it's their store, they need to protect that community. They need to out the people in there because as a player, you can say something, you could say something to an employee, but if they're not going to do anything, you know, doesn't matter. It, it's <laughs> how is it your place to try to get them out of your community? You can say something to yeah. them, but you know, it's, you're yeah. walking that fine line of, you know, do you yourself almost get kicked out because you're starting shit and you know what I mean? Also, the other thing too is when, as, as a new member, as someone visiting a community, not even a new member, you don't know how, if this is actually just normal. Yeah, if it's normal, exactly. I'm not, I'm not willing to be a part of this, but if it's, if this is, if you know this is an aberration, like I'm, I'm at least okay going forward, but like, um, you know, you're just not willing to expose yourself to that kind of negativity again. And I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the density is for stores in your area too. But like, we have a lot of like really, we have a lot of options here too. So like, oh, I've got like if, nothing now. <laughs> so we have Alton Universes, which which has three stores, three locations. Great store, um, Top Deck Games, which is okay. also like 
um, the Car Titan brand. So they usually run, they were running the North American um, Eternal Weekend when that was in paper. Um, they were hosting GPs uh, previously as well. Um, Nick Koss is a great um, TO. Um, so, you know, hopefully when we get GPs back, um, oh, they start so, going back. Yeah, I, I would hope so. They're just they're just good experiences. But he was one of the CEOs that locally that was just fantastic. Um, did a good job pro- promoting once again the legacy and vintage scene. Um, and there's some other stores around here too, especially when you get into like New Jersey, um, New York, in um, Delaware. Right, there's a lot of stores that if you're going to be the store that's jerks, like there's a store and once again I'm not even give them the publicity. Um, the store in New Jersey that I don't go. Um, I went to a uh, PPTQ that didn't fire they were waiting for one player and it took like an, they, they were running late and they're going to be here in five ten minutes and when they get here we're going to start oh 10 minutes that. later still not here oh he's finally here let's start let's laugh for at one him. player come on for one player um who now and at this point in time is out of the community believe it or not um but like that's one of those things that was like okay so literally this one person is more more valuable to you than all of us now i understand i'm never coming here again i understand how yeah, we're the pecking order completely disrespectful of players times mm-hmm. um and so that and that's one of those things too it's like I, it only takes one experience for people to figure that out and there's so many other stores i can get my business um like the, we're, we're in an area that you can go to the pdq um on saturday or you can go to an iq um you know an hour away I, I have options. I, I'm not stuck into playing this one event if I want to play it all this weekend. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of saturated with options. So, in, once again, especially with Magic Online now, too, like, I'll just play Magic Online. I do not mind. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I've gotten more used to the idea of playing EDH more on Magic Online because, I mean, I love Spell Table, but sometimes I just don't want to get three other people together, you know, because it can be a hassle and, you know, and just, let me just go on magic online play a quick game of edh but it, it, it's not that i don't have options here it's just all the game stores around me are like more than an hour away and it's like i just don't want to drive that far and the other closest one to me is a 30 minute drive like i said before but eh, i don't know it, it, it's more because I'll, I'll go on their facebook and look at pictures and i was like oh it's just more of the same people that were at the other lgs that killed it and mm-hmm. do i even want to like i i like the owners i know the owners that one of them is like a level two judge. She, I think, or I think she was a level two judge. I don't know. Now, I don't know now, but, um, or maybe she was level three. I don't know. I can't remember now, but, um, it's like, I'd love to support them, but I just don't like the players that go there, you know, just. Yeah. And, and once again, it's, it's just not worth it. Like that's yeah. not worth my time, my energy. Like you, you're, you work a job, you've got a family, You've limited time for recreation, and like that's not—it's not worth yeah. stressing myself out during that recreation time. Exactly, exactly. Well, man, we're at two hours of talking here. <laughs> it's gone by so quickly. Holy shit! We just talked magic. Yeah. I wanted to—I wanted to talk about D and D with you, and um, shit. There was something <sighs> else I wanted to talk to you about too. Um, I got the oh, oak. Oh, oh, I haven't gotten it yet. Um, <sighs> Uh, not yet and i'm actually starting to watch campaign three more now because i watched the first three episodes and now i'm up to like episode nine or episode ten so i'm almost caught up with campaign three and um travis just came back with his new character and it's so funny um Mm -hmm. but um 
But no, no, I'm going to have to have you back on because, oh, I remember what else I want to talk to you about is the death of pro play since you're really into that scene. (sighs) And, and, and and I'll be honest, it's, I personally, like, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say like my relationship with pro play where it's like, you know, on one hand, I kind of don't care about pro play anymore because it's like it's not my wheelhouse. But on the other hand, like I still I I used to love watching Star City Games Channel Fireball every weekend for the Twitch games because it, it, it's just like the one thing I always had on every weekend, regardless of what else I was doing. Like, um, so there are times I do miss it, but I'm also uh, just the amount of complaining that the pro players would do, especially and. and like I said, I'm going to have to have you back on for it because one of the biggest things that always got me was these pro players had, these MPL players had, what, $70,000 a year contracts and part of it was to stream and they couldn't even do that. They couldn't even freaking stream, you know? And it's like... I, I mean, not to say that Wizards didn't also really fuck up the pro scene too, so... The one thing I'll say about the my concern, I guess, with the lack of coverage and competitive play is that it's like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is not great for football. It's it's good for everybody because yeah. you see the commercials. You have something to talk about with the commercials. You see um, this athlete and you hear this music. And it's the spectacle of it that's actually the thing that's important, not the actual event. And I think what people kind of miss about like the SEG and the Pro Tours is that you, know, you could you had a narrative where, you know, we were, whether it's good or bad, um, you know, is Splinter Twin actually the best deck? How do we actually beat Splinter, Splinter Twin? You're thinking about this, you're reading this, you talk to your friends about this. Well, do you see that sle- the sleeves that people have? It's like, oh, Ultimate Guard, I've never heard of that before. Oh, man, Dragon Shield sleeves are really nice. Man, yeah, what exactly. that person's... There's a lot of things that you end up kind of building around um, that just you don't get from just written coverage um you don't get from just hearing after the fact just having a video and once having time talking about the hottest decks and the hottest cards and the coolest products is so valuable to kind of how we work as a community um that you know i like for example like the uh colas shirt that i know um cedric is is kind of starting and yeah yeah um doesn't work really without you seeing that image, right? If you, if mm-hmm. you said, oh, Cedric's got a company, if you never saw the shirts, it's like, I don't know, I don't, that's cool, I guess. Um, but once you start seeing the, you know, 80s, the new 60 shirts with Urian on it, or, um, you know, all, all the different cool products you get, it, yeah. it kind, of, kind of fits a little better. So um, that's the one thing I, I'm kind of expecting to happen. And, you know, um, my friend Anarog, had streamed a couple events over the last weekend um and you're starting to see some actual high level play i think is good but you know without the ads and without people talking over the video and getting excited about it it's going to be it's going to be hard for us to get more of these SCG cons and things like that for people to be excited about it um and i think it looks like star city is starting to pivot into coverage of uh, flesh and blood yeah i've seen which, that so, but like I mean, if that—that's that, what makes them money right now. I mean, I don't blame them for doing that. It's makes sense. They're doing callings. They have a, a organized play um, direction, at least. Like they know what they're trying to do. And until we get something from Wizards about what their goals are, 
Um, are they going to continue trying to push Historic and Alchemy, like it seems like they're trying to do online? Or are they going to go back to trying to get Pioneer off the ground and go back to modern, which people Fucking have arena. always <laughs> I, I mean, I, I understand why the push, but like, they're at a point where you just need to figure out another plan because no one, I, 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 no one knows what the hell Wizards is doing. I mean, Wizards doing. No one knows what's legal in in these formats. Like, I still don't quite understand what the difference between historic and alchemy is. Like, that and that's not good. Like, yeah, you need to have a direction. You need to have a ship going in a certain way, and you need to be able to brand that and without the branding you're just kind of lost no it's like i definitely want to get you on again talk more about pro play because it's we can talk about history of it and the downfall and i've just got so much to say on it um also D. so uh for people who may not know this is the man who helped me come up with the name of the current D show that we're doing because i came to you or you reached out to me or, or something. I came to you asking for like title ideas and you just started listing off a whole bunch of them. And I think one of them was the price of progress. And I'm just like, that's it because ba- base, I, I, I can't give away the story here because yeah. I do have my players listening to this. So, <laughs> um, but, but cause I told you basically what the gist of what the campaign's going to be. And it's like that, that was like the perfect name for it the way it is. And I just want to thank you for that. It's... Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's one of my random talents. Uh, my children are. I named my oldest daughter uh, Raleigh, which I just I think it's a beautiful name. It's not a common oh, yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, and it's a name that you hear and you're like, oh, that's a girl's name. It's actually a, technically a last name, right? It's named after yeah. Sir Walter Raleigh. But like people here, they're like, no, it's definitely a girl's name. It's like, okay, if you if you say so. Um, but I, I've done some random talent, but I'm very good at naming stuff. Um, so, you know, if you if you or anybody else needs things named, just let me know, and I can. I, yeah. I think I gave, I gave you like what, like twenty or thirty options. Yeah, yeah, like a whole bunch of them, and just and they, they were all good. It was just that price bar just clicked with what mm. I was looking for, and just it was. Dude, that was like the last thing I could not think of because we've been prepping this for months now. And I'm like, shit, we're going to be going live soon. I need to announce it. I don't know what the hell to call this. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the funny thing about names, too, is you need to have the vision in mind already. Because, like, you know, like you could have called it, like, um, the, uh, the the grab for power, right? Yeah. And, like, you're like, that doesn't really fit what the campaign's about, though. Yeah. And you, you get all the way through and you're like that was a terrible name. Like I, I liked everything I did, but the name needs. So I think once you have the design, the direction, everything fleshed out, having that name at the end, hopefully um, puts a bow on it. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. you enjoy the name. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm going to have to have you on again, talk D and D um, and uh, especially pro play. Just yeah. this. I don't want to turn this into a four hour podcast. I need to eventually go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And so do you. No, oh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a little bit of grading to finish up before I go to bed, but. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're a teacher. I'm a teacher, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Shit. Yeah, we, we need to talk yeah. about that. Um, also, so, yeah, well, thank you again for coming on. Um, any shout outs you want to do before we end it here? Um, shout out, obviously. Think, um, thanks for having me on. Um, if you guys at home want to find me or listen to me talk about magic, once again, modern legacy, especially. I'm one of the hosts of the Dark Depths podcast. Uh, we release an episode every Wednesday. So if you're interested in 
um, talking or uh, learning about Legacy Elves. Actually, I had my Metakevich, uh, who is Metalfish on uh, Magical Online, a very r- relatively well-known um, elf player. Um, he talks about you know the current elves builds, how it fits into the metagame, all that fun stuff. Um, but we have we've had a lot of really good people. Uh, Esper Christensen. We've had um, J.R. Hamilton, who is also known as XJ Cloud. Um, yeah, we also had you know DJ Johnson from Brainstorm Brewery. Like we've had a lot of oh, good nice. people. Yeah, year plus. Um, and once again, we're on episode I think eighty two is going to be our next episode. Nice, um, damn. So it's a good backlog if you're interested in just learning a little bit about modern legacy um, formats. Um, and once again, uh, reach out to either me uh, with Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter, or you can reach out to my um, castmate Michael Mapson, who is at Expedition Map on Twitter. Um, and we'll answer whatever questions you have about Blue Red Delver, Green White Depths, uh, Grixis Shadow, whatever you want. Dude, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed this. I'm, I'm glad, I enjoyed it too. I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit. Yeah, man. Well, have a good night, all right? Uh, yeah, you too. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for listening and watching. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Like, I, as I said near the end there, I wanted to talk about D&D and um, pro play of Magic because, like I said, Billy's really into both of those. And, um, but man, just, I got sucked into the modern legacy talk and it's like making me want to get back into modern and legacy, but I can't, it's one, I can't afford it Two, I don't have the time to really dive back into competitive play, but damn, if I wasn't feeling the itch to play modern and legacy again, especially modern, I miss the hell out of modern, um, but the format just sounds so vastly different. But like I said, thank you all again for listening and watching. I appreciate you all for every listener, every viewer out there. Appreciate you. And um, thank you always again for, you know, supporting this show, even just by listening. It's great. And, you know, spread the word as much as you can. And thank you and have a great night.